0: Good
1: Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Balog, and we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection, one spine number at a time. In order to release this week, we're moodily shot and fashionably dressed as we watch spine 147 of the Criterion Collection, Car Wise in the mood for love from 2000. But first, we've got a special guest, RJ. What? As part of our perk over on our Patreon page, this listener took that plunge, put their money to good use, all to join us to review a movie of their choosing. And that guest joining us tonight is Frank Solano. Hi, Frank. Hi. (laughs) How's it going?
2: Uh, I will say I was uh, holding my breath during the whole introduction. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Didn't want to make a sound. I got a little scared there. Uh, I think I'm doing fine now.
3: Excellent. (laughs) I'm I'm glad. Don't don't be afraid to interrupt, Jarrett ever i like to interrupt <laughs> him whenever he's like the deepest into his thought and then just totally derail stuff because it's funny because look at how flustered he gets
2: yeah, train wrecks are nice train wrecks are nice yeah. yeah
3: that's why we're here baby
2: that's why you're a fan of this podcast yeah. exactly exactly yeah,
3: it's, it's good to put a face to the uh the emails we've been getting a lot of emails from uh, mr frank solano lately so mm-hmm. uh it's nice to have you on here
2: we've yeah that- yeah it's uh nice to be here and uh it's too bad this Frank Solano guy, he hasn't uh, emailed in recently. No. You know? uh,
3: that's too bad. Well, we did have a curveball last week. We uh, we recorded like four episodes before our normal day. So
2: <laughs> it
3: probably would have happened. But
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually heard uh, he was thinking about doing, uh, was it sending in a, a list of uh, his five favorite movies, the first time watches of last year, but uh, he decided against it. Cause uh, he'd look mm. like a amateur. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to worry
3: about that. Uh, I got a lot of heat for that Brigsby bear uh, on my uh, list for last week. So <laughs> don't feel bad. Just go like me. Just put yourself out there for good, for better or worse.
1: Exactly. Well, it is a new year. I could. I could. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just just go out there and embarrass yourself. That's what we've been doing.
2: So should I go ahead and say them, or? Oh yeah, hey, yeah.
1: If you want to do it, we have have an email. That'll bridge into an email we got uh, from Oliver because he goes through his top five as well. So, uh, okay, yeah. Go ahead, and then I don't know. I'll ask like what you guys have been doing this holiday season with this new year, this new dawn. uh, To you know, start making mistakes or undo some. I don't Mm. know. But go ahead, Frank. What were your uh, top five first time watches last year?
2: Okay, I'll admit. uh, four of these movies are actually some of my favorite movies now. Okay. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll start with Baraka. Yeah. The Was it 1992 uh, documentary?
1: Is it really that old? Man, or,
2: yeah, yes. I, I, so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, 92, I believe. Uh, I I've never seen this. Baraka.
1: Not to be confused with the Mortal Kombat 2 character. Baraka. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that—that's like what I thought a very long time because I'd see that movie at the video store and I'm like Baraka, like Mortal Kombat with Blade Hands Guide. Do, do I date know myself uh, with this reference? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe that's the movie I
2: watched, and maybe the documentary is not the one I meant. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, could be. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, Baraka watched it around March. I'd like to say. Yep. I know that uh, you, Jared, you've given it a, a nice uh, three-star review on the Letterbox. Mm-hmm. Part,
1: my thing is like, I have you seen Koy- Koyana Squatsi?
2: I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. See,
1: I, I think I saw that f- before, and like that movie, I it's they're so similar that I'm like I'm kind of comparing it those two movies in my mind, and I'm like, what would I rather watch again? And it's, like, for me, like, quite honest, is just, like, so, so good. And then Baraka was, like, oh, okay. It's, like, because it's the the cinematographer from one did the other. And so, like, they're very similar mm-hmm. ideas. So, But the, the one just resonated more with me, I think, maybe because I saw it first. But, uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Might be the same for me. Maybe I'll watch uh, the other one that I'm not yep. going to try to name. And uh, yeah. <laughs> then uh, I'll like that one better, too. Yeah. <laughs> it might replace uh, Baraka in my top five. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Let me see. My next one, I guess, Terrence Malick's The New World. Okay. Right on. So I guess the only Terrence Malick movie I'd seen before uh, last year was The Thin Red Line, which I think I said in an email. That's the one that introduced me to the Criterion uh, collection. And I think... It also is what got me into uh, collecting Blu-rays over DVDs, actually, because I was looking for a Blu-ray replacement to my Thin Red Line DVD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyways, New World. I've always been a big fan of history, uh, especially around the Native Americans. I like the way that they lived. and Like that culture. Just everything. Their culture, yeah. Yeah. all of that. Which uh,
1: which cut did you did you watch like the director's cut? I guess because I've never seen that one. I think I've only ever seen the uh, theatrical version. I think
2: I've seen two two of the three on the Criterion Blu ray. Oh, there's three. I saw, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, there's uh, I think the first one was the the film festival cut, the one he released before the theatrical. Okay. Uh, and then there was a the theatrical, and then the extended. So I've seen the extended and the theatrical, yep. but not the third cut yet.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. I know and over then, RJ over there is a, a Malik man.
3: Yeah, I like that Terrence Malik. I haven't seen A New World, but I have seen Pocahontas, the uh, animated movie with Mel Gibson. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's uh, the same thing, right? Same difference, I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, interchangeable, interchangeable. It might have been Pocahontas I saw, and uh, not the New World. (laughs) It could have been. Yeah, maybe it was Avatar. (laughs) We'll
1: never know. Uh, Hopefully, we find three more analogs for the rest of this list. (laughs)
3: We'll be able to piece those together. Yeah,
1: yeah. Nice.
2: All right. Um, Let me see my next uh, movie on this list. I have to check with the letterboxed. See what they say made a it's a private list so far but uh
3: Jared's all about private lists yeah, <laughs> he keeps I everything locked under key oh, I the only so. way i can see it is when i get into his house sometimes and i can like get his stuff he's never home but you know i do it
1: <laughs> oh
2: well i mean what would be mm-hmm. the fun if he was home you know well i do that
3: too sometimes but like you know not that he sees <laughs> oh
2: yeah. oh What Um, else you
3: got there, Frank?
2: Room, I think. I think I saw that this year. I'll be honest. I'm a little fuzzy on when I saw it. Yeah. But I do remember it was sunny outside. So uh, (laughs) I imagine, uh, (laughs) I imagine that with the Georgia weather, it was probably around April. Yeah. I believe. Um, Yeah, Room was one that I hadn't seen the trailer. I hadn't seen. I knew nothing about it besides Brie Larson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I don't know if I knew anything about the Captain Marvel movie or mm-hmm. anything that might have. I don't know what it was that I had heard about her. But anyways, I was like, hey, uh, I recognize this lady on the cover of the poster and uh, let's just give it a look. <laughs> and I watched it Surprise. three days in a row.
0: <laughs> <What>?
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord. I watched it three days in a row. I watched <laughs> it the first time by myself at night or no, no, no. During the day. Yeah. Okay. It was around there. (laughs) Between uh, 24 hours. And then the next day I watched it with my mom. And the day after that I watched it with uh, extended family. (laughs) How
3: how was that viewing with (laughs) the
2: family? Some of those tender moments. Most Mm -hmm. of the extended family that watched were uh, women. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really got to them because most of them were also mothers. So uh, yeah, they were. Hey, but it got to me, and I'm I'm not a mother yet. Maybe <laughs> yeah. one day. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, I uh, I remember Jarrett watched that last year, and he really liked Room. And uh, I mention all the time that he's kind of a heartless demon, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he was even emotionally moved by that oh, thing. Man. So yeah. uh, that movie's it, grueling. There's,
2: grueling. Yeah, there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all all three times that I watched it, I realized I had a different reaction to the... You know, you're watching the same movie. You know mm-hmm. the plot points the second time, the third time. So I guess it was like... The first time was the revelation. The second time, I saw the technical things behind it, the, the idea that they did film in a very small space. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the third time was uh, the emotional uh, the emotional stuff, which I've never been very emotional, mm-hmm. but if it catches me in a good moment, it's going to get me hard, and that one got me pretty bad.
3: It happens, man. It's like me. I cry all the time, so <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. I like it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe it. And you. I know... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I was gonna say I can't believe they did old Nick like that. That's like the real. That, that's the real tragedy.
2: That's what I was about to say. I know Don't
1: even let him see his son.
2: Yeah, Jerry really liked that old Nick. I, I think you've mentioned <laughs> old Nick more than you've mentioned the movie itself. He's,
1: he, he's such a he's such a great creep, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And then uh, the last movie, we're going to talk about it. Oh, no, because it was five, right? I said five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're at three. Um, let me see. Baraka, New World, Room. Mm-hmm. You're right. I can't count. I've never been good at math. That's will okay. <laughs> One time, uh, we had a box of Hot Pockets, me and my brothers. And there were, I think there were 12 in the box. And somehow, me and my little brother counted 18 after we'd already eaten three. Mm-hmm. so uh mm. yeah that uh goes to show how uh how good i am uh, at math Edu-
3: i don't blame you i blame the educators
2: yeah no yeah. yeah american uh i talked to jared about this the other day i didn't know where lethbridge was or yeah, canada <laughs> or canada <laughs> yeah not a lot of people do yeah uh american education i'll admit is not very good i think (laughs) i think
3: that's universal some educations are good but whatever what are you gonna do
2: (laughs) (laughs) um okay so i guess i'll go with number four is uh the one we're reviewing tonight actually Oh, so i'm uh highly biased here (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i did also see it this year so i don't know maybe that might change i haven't completely watched all of the one car wise filmography so Mm -hmm. we'll see Mm -hmm.
1: well we'll talk (laughs) about that we'll talk about that later what's your number five
2: and i decided to go with this because i wanted to choose one movie from this year that i watched uh i haven't really been a good uh movie theater attendee i uh was never a fan of being enclosed with several people surrounding me mm-hmm. and uh you know coughing and all that good stuff uh okay. people like to do and uh today i can honestly say that it's changed and uh i am okay surrounded by sweaty people watching uh movies cool. together <laughs> hey i live uh, <laughs> I live in uh, Georgia, you know, that, that deep south. And uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's how they, we are down here, most of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Sweaty.
2: sweaty. <laughs> uh, I'd say muddy, but it's more like red clay, I think. <laughs> mm. So uh, if there's anything I learned uh, in, with my American education is that uh, red clay is pretty difficult to get off your hands, much like blood from what I hear. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh well and speaking of blood my pick for number five is uh suspiria 2018 oh man oh wow yeah hot take yeah <laughs> much talked
3: about uh there's no creep opinion on that movie yet as uh
1: soon Canada, soon
3: it takes a long time for movies to get up uh, north video, here
1: yeah sometimes uh it's on video on demand i think like in a week or two so those uh those uh, legal copies will be circulating in no time Uh, Mm -hmm. yes i
2: got the dates down january 15th digital yeah 29 for that blu-ray i've been waiting
3: i'll make sure Jarrett lends me his legal copy so i can watch it at uh, my own leisure and we'll talk about it on this podcast maybe
1: oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. maybe
2: (laughs) i can't wait to hear that because uh i really like to i'm not gonna talk about it much uh i guess but it did, it felt catered to me in a way. I know if uh, you guys have seen my uh, letterbox review mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I gave six reasons why the movie was exactly why like, I loved it. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly why it catered to me. Um, I know a few people have had issues with like the over the topness, which you guys got down. Just, uh, I think RJ from watching the trailer or from the posters was it?
3: Um, yeah, it was a little bit of both. It did look like a, a little much.
2: Mm-hmm. It looked a little I'll lavish. Admit, I'll admit, the ending yeah. is over the top. I didn't like mm-hmm. the ending, but uh, I love the rest of the movie. And that was enough for me to, you know, put it in there, slide it right in along uh, this movie we watched uh, for this podcast today.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, like with Suspiria, I've I've just I've heard so much from so many different places at this point that... I'm just like, I have to watch it. I have to watch myself to find out if I like it or not, which I guess this should be Mm -hmm. true of all movies. Some movies it's a lot easier to like say, yeah, this is for me or not. But, uh, yeah, well, we'll, you'll be hearing about it. I'm sure very soon from both of us, at least me. Yeah,
2: Let me know when,
1: and maybe, uh, you know,
2: a few more bucks under the table and, uh, I might be there, uh, Maybe either arguing or agreeing. There you
3: go. <laughs> maybe it'll be added to the collection, and you can come back in twelve years to talk right, about it. There you go. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's we what our pace
3: is at now, right? Like eight or nine years for us to catch up.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If like the that. world's still here, you know. Yeah. No. Good <laughs> if point. If movies if
1: movies are still here. You
2: know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, all the lights will go out, and uh, maybe we'll get stuck with Jared's D and D. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, is,
1: that is the darkest timeline. Oh line. man, you guys, I, I played some D and D on Sunday. It was so much fun. Nobody
3: cares, Jared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, uh, the movie, the one movie I'm going to talk about, is pretty much your D and D fantasy. Yeah, so well, you can talk about it if you want. Well, you watched something that was right off my watch list, and I'm kind of annoyed by that. I was like, "What, what are you Why? doing?" Why? Well, because I wanted to watch it. And now, now you've ruined it. Now, now I've got <laughs> you. You've spoiled it. You've you've well, you've put your corruption on it.
3: I won't talk about it too much then, but we'll get there. Okay.
1: All right, then. Well, yeah. um, thank you, Frank, for sharing your top five. We got emails. i are going to hit up though, right now. Uh, Oliver Granger, uh, he sent in an email covering his top five and some other thoughts. Uh, nice. He writes, finally caught up with the last two episodes. You asked if they mentioned the Salem witch trials in Harry Potter. I don't think they do, but they do mention that witches like to get burnt. They just put a spell on themselves, and it felt like a good tickling. As you guys have mentioned before, this is pretty offensive to the innocent women who were burnt. (laughs) Um, This is true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Top five first watches are, in no order, number one, Mother. This would actually Mm, be my number one. I wish I didn't listen to the reviews of this and watch it in the cinema. It's the most relevant film of today, although it's so relevant it might not age well. Themes of global warming, Trump's presidency, Syrian refugees, modern-day feminism, and it's Mm. just so fucking uncomfortable. Uh, yeah mm-hmm. uh, I that Mother movie is amazing and uh, to me it's it's crazy how dumped on this movie was uh, when it came out uh, Frank did you see Mother? Have you seen it? I I actually own a copy I do oh good <laughs> excellent
2: mm-hmm. it's currently on my rewatch list yeah uh, a, a few months ago I made a list of all the movies that I own that I'd only seen once right and it, it's on there so uh, okay. I'll have to give that another watch one of these days yeah yeah.
3: I've mentioned that that is literally my, my deepest, darkest fears is having a bunch of strangers in my house touching my stuff and going through things. Breaking and, uh, your sink.
1: Breaking my <laughs> yeah, sink. Yeah, that's, that's my go-to in that movie is that sink scene. See, mm-hmm.
3: the one that made me more uncomfortable than anything else is when she makes that really nice cake a uh, javier barden and then someone goes she's like oh we can eat this and then the lady cuts into it with a spoon and it's like <laughs> no. it's so unnerving because it's like what is she doing
2: yeah but that's what I'll,
3: people do to your stuff man
2: i'll admit i'm a spoon eater i eat everything with a spoon
3: yeah but you wouldn't <laughs> cut a cake
2: with a spoon would no you? yeah no unless it's uh it's somebody's birthday that i hate maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah see that's what i mean uh, Currently, I don't have any enemies, though, so I think that's uh no-no for now. <laughs>
3: yeah, Not until this podcast, this episode goes out, and then you'll be like me, a pariah, and get oh, banged on by a... All of the internet (laughs) shit. Yeah, that's That's true.
2: Somebody, (laughs) somebody's bound to say something about Suspiria being on my top five. So yeah,
1: Yeah, you have to like kind of mentally prepare yourself because you never know once things are put out on the internet because somebody might be like, Mm -hmm. who the fuck's this Frank guy on YouTube? (laughs) Oh, it's going to happen. You just have to prepare yourself and realize there's a lot of uh, momos out there.
2: Well, I mean, it came with the, it came with the job, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Lots
1: of risk in this job. Just
2: Mm -hmm. do what I do
3: and relieve your stress in other ways.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah. sounds like a good idea uh, Start drinking uh, Number two, Cre uh, Kri- Cuervos. This could be a counterpoint to me saying uh, Mother might not age well As this film was a metaphor on the political climate of Spain at the time Which I know absolutely nothing about Anna Torrent is probably uh, gave the best child performances ever In the spirit of the beehive this and Spirit in the Beehive. Uh, I don't know this movie really all that well. I've, I've seen the title pop up, but uh, yeah, I don't know it uh, really too, too much. I have no idea what he's talking about, so.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there you no go. Clue. No clue. Well, better we we do more digging on that. Uh, number three, oh. Le Trois. Le Trou. Ooh, cool. Well, which was also on my list. Prison movies are always mm-hmm. good. This may be the best one. Like yep. ever, or uh, that's the that's what I, I infer from this, but uh, oh, okay, but yeah, I mean, I, I like those prison movies too. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'd say it's the best one I've seen, but uh, it's like, yeah, it's a probably one of the best made, the most artfully made of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you watched uh, Tro- yet, uh, Frank?
2: I've seen uh, Brawl. In uh, oh, yes. there 9. That, uh is, see there's a good prison movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh. Vince Vaughn <laughs> mm. He's getting there. He's yeah, getting, he's getting there. he's still working towards his uh his his day will come. His
1: day will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe when he's like sixty-five he'll be he'll be finally yeah. there. Yeah. Uh number four, Dawson City, Frozen Time, a Canadian film about film preservation in history. Watch it, you dicks. Well, I've n- I've never heard of this
3: Canadian. Does, does
2: that include me? Uh, uh, yes. I guess
1: I guess so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah, see. <laughs> uh, see,
1: I know about Dawson City just because uh, in my line of work, uh, a lot of people do artist residencies up there. Uh, if people aren't aware yeah, Dawson City is up in those Northwest Territories, up in that Yukon, um, and uh, yeah, it's like a weird little uh, frontier town that's kind of like really embraced itself and uh yeah i think there was like a big like cache of films that they found up there and it's just like yeah it's about the film preservation and like all this like weird little groupings of movies and something like that ballpark but yeah i mean i'd watch this at some point i'm actually surprised uh that the person who made this hasn't come through uh my neck of the woods to screen it or something like that because a lot of people love that Dawson city there's a bar somewhere where there's like a like an amputated finger that's in a bottle of whiskey and then people like oh, drink I've seen out that. of it. Yeah, you see, well, it's alcohol. You know about it.
3: Yeah. Hey, I watch. Uh, I watch other stuff sometimes. I yeah. do other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've heard about that weird finger juice.
1: <laughs> and then someone yeah. stole the finger, I believe. Yeah, uh, someone then,
3: stole it, and they. Uh, I think they. They got caught. Yeah. They or the person brought it back,
1: or they were like yeah. they. They were drunk, and they took it. Like that's what these. Mm-hmm. these that's what these animals do, you know, thieves. Mm-hmm.
2: I've heard of the fetus in the whiskey. I think. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, a, that's above my uh, pay grade. Fu- <laughs> future, future cream Future
1: Cream That Guillermo. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh. Guillermo. Oh, Guillermo that, del Toro. I, I love that. Like I'm starting to see more and more uh, hate toward uh, GDT, and uh, it, fill, it fills yeah. my heart because eventually there'll come a point where like people I like, don't like start hating on him, and then I'll be like defensive mm-hmm. about him, being hey. Hey, he's okay, guys. <laughs> I'll admit, he won an Oscar. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll admit you did this to me, uh, Jared. <laughs> Listening good. to you, uh, Trash Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. uh, caused this... Uh, you know, because before I'd only seen uh, Pan's Labyrinth and I saw Pacific Rim, which was like, uh, you know, it's okay. He probably has better films. And then I watched his other films and... He never, uh, in my opinion, never uh, went above and beyond uh, past Pan's Labyrinth.
1: Yeah, and it's been so long since I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. I've only seen it in theater the one time. I've got it on disc somewhere, but yeah, I have like, I don't really have any real, like, I'm kind of afraid to rewatch that one. Because I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's like his best movie. And I'm like, oh, what if I watch it and don't like it anymore? Maybe just it's best to leave the memories alone.
2: Oh, no, that one, That one's good.
1: That one's yeah, good. I, I know, RJ, you watched that, like, not that long ago. And also we're Which still... One? Uh, Hans Labyrinth, you still were. Yeah. you're still loving it.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty hot on that. I uh, that uh, that movie's uh, pretty special. I think yeah. I like it a lot. But uh, yeah, Jared is toxic and poison, and uh, his opinions <laughs> do leach into you,
2: mm-hmm. mostly
3: negative. Yeah,
2: I used to like a Guillermo, and now I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. It. It. It's not that I hate him. I yeah. just don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. and you know what? You're right. Why? Why are his opinions validated? Uh, <laughs> When it comes to uh, why is he on the Criterion so much? Why
1: I think I think <laughs> cause yeah. he's, he loves. I think it, like they're always going to probably like love guys that also talk about them a lot. Because I mean, why not? <laughs> why wouldn't you? I guess because all his movies are on there. He talks them up. He's like a fan, but I don't know. Yeah, he like so, he, I mean... he, he knows how he knows who to hire. That's that's the whole thing about his movies. He gets like other people to mm. do all the work, and he talks a good talk.
2: That's true, but at least at least he does uh, bring up the criterion. I think a lot of people have, might have found the criterion through him just that's, talking about yeah, it. That's, maybe
1: that's probably that's true. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, you
2: no, know those Pacific Rim watchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I liked Pacific Rim. The first time I watched it in theater in 3D, I thought it was like really cool that they brought a like made a, like a live action anime in America. And then I tried watching it at home, and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> it's like I could I just could, yeah. no, I was not into it at all. Uh, But final number five for Oliver, His Girl Friday. My wife and I were anxious for some reason. It may have been when she was pregnant. I was like, okay, let's put it on an old film. And they are usually pretty calm. Holy shit, this was one of the most fast-paced films I've seen. People just talking as fast as they can and over the top of each other. It did not help with the anxiety. Um, I've seen His Girl Friday a couple times. And I, like, I've never been into this movie. And I'm a minority of you on this. Like, Mm. most people love this movie. Um, and now it's Criterion Creeps, Criterion Collection proper. So I'm gonna have to watch this movie again. Maybe one of these mm-hmm. days it'll hit with me, but I don't know. And it's got your, uh, your boy, RJ, that, that Cary Grant. Um, fuck. I can't stand, like, he's so stupid. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> well, I
2: don't, I I say, don't disagree. Yeah, <laughs> he sucks. But that's um, probably another thing that, uh, I learned from you guys. Uh, this Cary Grant guy, uh, He's not very good looking. <laughs>
3: he's not good looking. He's not. And he talks real dumb. And and now what was it? Sherrod?
1: Sherrod? Sherrod. Okay. You, he doesn't talk well,
3: yeah. He don't talk well. None of us talk well, but I just mean he's stupid. I don't like Cary Grant. I don't know how he got to be like the most wanted man in America.
1: I'm not buying it. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, yeah. One day. Um, yep. next email from uh, from Sam Sanchez. So just writing in once again, in response to my last email when I brought up other Canadian film co- pa- podcasts. There you go. I'm not speaking right either. The main <laughs> one I would cite as my favorite is one called Film Junk, which is hosted by three guys from St. Catharines area. It may actually beat out Film Spotting as longest active running film podcast as far as time goes, not ep- episodes, as they are closing in on episode 700 in a couple months as a weekly show. Um, one member, Jay Chiel, i yeah, is actually a documentary filmmaker and recently made a movie called How to Build a Time Machine that I would actually recommend checking out. All members of the podcast are actually active on Letterboxd and is how I first heard about Letterboxd back in 2011. So I owe them for that. I have, hmm. heard, yeah, I have heard of, um, Film Junk before and, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know they were Canadian. I never even thought about it. I just assume most of hmm. the podcasts that you've heard about are from the States, but, yeah. uh, oh, good to know. Um, and I think I, Have seen that film junk pop up before on um, Letterboxd, too, from very popular reviewers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, that's a question for you, Frank. When did you find out about Letterboxd as a um, way of watching or logging your movies?
2: I'd like to... I remember first going through Letterboxd maybe sometime during the summer. Um, it might have been through YouTube, I believe. I okay. watched a lot of uh, video essay guys and a lot of, uh, well, not as much anymore, but at the time I did. And uh, I think one of them, they brought up letterbox. You know what? I know which channel it was, too. Uh, these guys, they're called Film Riot. And they do like a lot of uh, do-it-yourself kind of techniques for people who want to make movies. And uh, he made a whole video talking about Letterboxd. And that's how I heard about it, I think. Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think my, my first heard about it, it was um, when, uh, I don't know if you know, there's like the AV Club website, they uh, they had this huge migration of like all their like best film writers, uh, they all left to do the Dissolve, and uh, they all started using Letterbox as their like, where they put their star ratings for a while, and now Dissolve's dead, but I remember that being like, where Letterboxd first popped up on my radar, and then... Um, I was like, what I was doing before was I was like had Word documents for each year, and I was just logging all my movies that way for since like 2011. And so when I started using Letterboxd actively, whenever that was 2013, and then I just started copying over all the files because I can't help myself and I'm compulsive. Um, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. suck. <laughs> I, I saw that uh, was it. Roger Ebert, they're doing his on there.
2: Uh, still doing his, uh, putting his movies up.
1: Okay, I know there's been some like people who are just fans that were doing that kind of, but uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that finally someone's like doing the, official mm-hmm. version of that because they should I guess they probably could wind up do I think that my favorite is uh someone did that for Andre Tarkovsky they uh, found like they were like they, they were looking at his old diaries where he's like reviewed like about 50 movies that he just saw in passing so you get these like pithy like one sentence reviews for movies uh, it's just one pr- it's just, like one account and I remember being like oh once in a while I'll actually watch a movie that he would have seen in his lifetime and he was just like oh yeah nothing special and that's it and I'm like oh good I'm glad that's uh here and being spread wide um, uh, Sam, Sam continues. Also, when talking about the cranes are flying, Jarrett mentioned I am Cuba being covered on a future episode, though at least the, at this time of this email, to my knowledge, it has not officially been released or announced as a criterion. Though The le- letter never sent <laughs> by, uh, Kalatazov is, um, uh, though both are definitely worth watching. Um... Yeah. So did you fuck up? Oh yeah, I know, I totally did. But like, as I swear that, like, I think there must be like another title that is like "I Am Cuba." Uh, mm-hmm. That I was like, oh, that must be it coming up because I never even thought to check. I was just like, oh, it's obviously got to be in there. But well, sure, <laughs> shit, it isn't. Hey, I think often, it's often. Uh...
2: Often you guys talk and things happen, so it's probably gonna <laughs> happen. Yeah, that's
3: true. We do push through a lot of releases, but uh, I think the one you're talking about, Jarrett, was I Am Cuba Gooding Jr. That's oh. a documentary about him, and uh, yeah. no, a few or er, Men of Honor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Did Sam Sanchez <laughs> say anything else? That's it. Okay, well, I'm uh, I'm glad he uh, let us know. Uh, I actually didn't think he had any other Canadian podcasts. Oh, he,
1: he also says uh, keep uh, I up the dump talk. Shade.
3: The dump talk. Yeah, he said keep it oh, up. Oh, good to know. Yeah. No. See, we get more people encouraging the dump talks and uh, the butts and the dumps and all that stuff than people who write in and say not to. So.
2: <laughs> That's, cool. That's hey, why. I'm here, um, baby. Maybe they go hand in hand. Uh, good movies and uh, good dump talk.
1: There you good go. Good Butts
2: and dumps. That's no. what mm-hmm. I've been saying for years.
1: Mm-hmm. So all right. Outstanding. Well then, uh, hey guys, what y'all been creeping on this week? RJ, I know that you've got some uh, special movies you wanted to talk about. I got some special movies. Now, uh, I don't know if Frank is ready for this, but
3: uh, since this is our first paid Patreon, uh, I'm going to use that as an excuse. However, I watched all of these movies uh, because of a friend. But I'm just going to say I watched them because Frank is on the episode today. Hey! So (laughs) so you get the, the special honor of hearing about some of the most bizarre movies I have ever seen. Uh, But before I get to that, I'm going to talk very briefly about a really awesome movie that uh, Jarrett is jealous that I watched. Um, So, yesterday, uh, I had a friend, Hot Cam, he was visiting for a couple days. People might remember him from the uh, the Beta Cock a Bull scenario, where he was asked to be a bull in uh, some some (laughs) couple's weird night out at at the bar. Uh, Down in Montana. Down in Montana at the Mermaid Bar. Uh, So... He was here visiting, and uh, he had a movie he wanted to watch, uh, which I'll get to last. And then I had a movie I wanted to watch. And then after that, so I'm going in reverse order, uh, we were just cruising on Amazon Prime because he's kind of like into uh, exploitation films and similar stuff that me and Jared watch. Uh, And we were looking at uh, some of the stuff I had saved in my watch list, and we popped by this cover of these two blonde girls riding like horses with spears. And uh, just real big, it says, Sorceress. And uh, we we're like, ooh, that sounds pretty cool. Let's check that out. So this is directed by a guy, uh, my new favorite director, Jack Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, after watching this, uh, I did read one review on Letterboxd uh, by this guy who's pretty, this guy named James, and he he does good reviews. Yes. Uh, and he he wrote in detail about like the uh, sorted, um like production of this movie, where there was a bit, there was a lot of like controversies. There was some cuts, and like Jack Hill didn't get a writing writing credit, but he should have. Uh, Sorceress is written by my boy Jim Wynorski, which is pretty cool. But apparently, the original version had a lot more Christian undertones and <laughs> things like that. But whatever. So I'm going to talk about this briefly because Jared wants to talk um, or watch it. So Sorceress is like d and D campaign brought to life. Uh, you have these two, so you have a wizard named Tragon, and he knocks up a lady because he needs uh, a son to give as a sacrifice to his like deity. Uh, so he he get, has a baby and the lady runs away and then he goes to encounter them and he finds out that it was not a son. it was in fact uh, twin daughters. Uh, what happens is an old Merlin-like Jesus magician comes out of the woods, kills the other uh, the sorcerer, takes the girls, Bonds them as one and then trains them in like uh, fighting skills for 20 years. And then 20 years later, uh, that guy comes back. He kills the the two girls, family, and he's trying to take them back so he can sacrifice them. Then the girls run into uh, Gimli from Lord of the Rings, uh, a Viking guy with red hair. Uh, And he has a fawn like um, what's the other word for a fawn, Jared? You know, like a goat man, a satyr. Yeah. Yeah. So he so it's like Gimli from Lord of the Rings. And then he has a a really horny goat satyr with him who's just like always sniffing at girls butts and like name and stuff. So he's pretty cool. Uh, Then they also encounter a barbarian guy who's very uh, Gucci looking. He's got a he's got a sick perm. He's really toned. Uh, You see his butt a lot in this thing. Uh, I should mention this is a Roger Corman jam apparently. So there's a lot of male nudity in this thing. Um but what happens is you you go with these two girls on their mission to kill the sorcerer. Uh this movie is fucking awesome, Jared. It's awesome. And I don't want to I won't give away too much for you, but uh everything that you want to kind of have happen does happen. Like there's a scene later where uh like our heroes are in trouble and you're like oh no what's going to happen and the only person who's left is the the fawn satyr and so what does he do he assembles an army of goats from uh, the village and town people and him and a bunch of goats overtake the castle and yeah. they uh, they kill everyone and I was like <laughs> I I thought it, I wanted it to happen but I was like there's no way they'll actually do that in this movie but then it does happen and you're just like fuck yeah it's so satisfying <laughs> uh, there is this like giant sky they made this like huge lion puppet for this final battle and it's a lion but it has giant bat wings and it shoots like green lightning out of his eyes he's super cool Uh, you also have a lot of like really funny things like they try to kill the the Abercrombie and Finch barbarian guy at one point and the way that they want to kill him and I don't know if this is a real thing but it's hilarious is they have this giant pole that kind of looks like a huge dick and they grease it up a lot and he's up on a platform, and then at the bottom of, like, on the ground, they have one really sharp spike. And they put him on the pole, and it's, like, basically he's just sliding down into his bare ass, hits, the, like, the super <laughs> sharp spike. Uh, and so, like, that seems like 10 minutes you just see this guy's <laughs> ass slowly sliding down this, like, giant, greased-up dick. Um, yeah, Sorceress is, is wicked good, man. Uh, I can't believe you haven't seen it. I know. Uh, but... Jack Hill is my new favorite director. Uh, and he actually has a couple movies on Amazon Prime, uh, like The Big Bird Cage. Yeah. And uh, uh, something
1: else like that, too. Uh, he's, uh, well, I, he's got, co- got, there's Coffee, there's Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown. Yeah, yeah uh, a lot of pan And, pan and uh, Spider, Spider Baby's awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to watch a bunch of this guy's movies. He's wicked cool. I but. own uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them. Well, I'm going to take them all since you're not watching them. I've seen most of them, except, but I have not. I don't own or have seen Sorceress. Well, you should feel bad about yourself. I do, and I'm mad. Yep. I'm mad that you watched this before me.
3: Well, I so. didn't know that you, you wanted to watch it. I could have brought over my uh, Amazon Prime, and we could have watched it together, and you uh, ruined it, because no you have a private to. watch list. <laughs> yeah, see those private letterbox lists. But anyway, Sorceress is wicked cool. But uh, let's get into the nitty-gritty here, Frank, okay? Oh, man. Okay. I got some movies to talk to you about. <laughs> Uh so the one suggestion from Hot Cam, I'm saving that for later. The after we watched that, we were pretty pretty well stunned. Uh me, Hot Cam, and Andy, we all watched these two movies. Oh, Andy was there too. <laughs> Andy, Andy watched these two movies. She has some pretty strong opinions of these as well. Uh so we were watching the first one, and then we're like, holy shit, what where do we go from here? Uh so we watched Riding the Bus with My Sister. A 2005 film directed by Angelica Houston, starring Andy McDowell as a uh, serious career-driven woman and her uh, older, mentally challenged sister, Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, So I came across this movie. I can't remember. I think I saw the poster on Letterboxd and I was like, what the fuck is that? Uh, This movie, Rosie O'Donnell goes full retard. Uh, they drop a lot of hard R's, a lot of hard retards in this movie. Uh, and it's, it's highly offensive, Jared, but uh, <laughs> you get used to it. Cause in the first minute you grow uh, numb she, to it, you grow numb to it. Uh, I think mostly because of Rosie O'Donnell's performance. So she like, she sticks out her bottom row of teeth. So she has like an underbite <laughs> and then she talks like this <laughs> uh, for the oh. whole movie. And she's just like, I'm riding the bus now. And you're watching it and you can't believe that it's a real movie because you're like, who thought this was a good idea for Rosie O'Donnell to do this? And like the whole movie is her walking around. She's like, I like having sex and riding the bus. And you're like, oh, no. Uh, so this movie is about she she just rides the bus, Jared. That's what she does all day. She gets on one bus and then she'll get off and get on another bus. She knows all the bus drivers. They're all real friendly to her. Uh, and that's what she does. And then her dad takes care of her, but then her dad has a heart attack and dies. So, career-driven woman uh, sister, Andy McDowell, has to come in and try to help her get right and, like, show that she's an independent adult that can do stuff, or else she's going to get sent to a support home. This movie is bizarre for a number of reasons. Not because (laughs) Rosie O'Donnell is, like... So over the top, portraying uh, like a mentally disabled person, like that's bizarre. But this movie has a really weird message at the end, and oh, no. like, because you think you think it's gonna be about like promoting like equality and acceptance and like independence and strength and mentally disabled people, <laughs> but it's not. The point of this movie, Jarrett, is that we should let them do whatever they feel like because hey, if they want to eat like nine chocolate cakes. Who gives a shit? They'll probably <laughs> die anyways. As long as we sterilize them first, <laughs> you're okay to do whatever. And I'm not, I'm not making that up. This movie has the weirdest fucking scene in it where so the whole movie, Andy McDowell's getting flashbacks of like her because she does she really doesn't want to go live with Rosie O'Donnell. She's like, I don't want to take care of that retard, uh, is like what she says in this movie. She doesn't want to go and, and like live with her. And she always has flashbacks of her as a little kid. She's, like, the younger sister, but her mom was always, like... She would walk in the room and Rosie O'Donnell would, like, just be drinking paint. And the mom would be like, Hey, <laughs> I told you, you gotta watch after your older sister. It's like, why won't you learn? And, like, that's every flashback they have. And then it's really weird. These scenes are really shoehorned in. And they're, like, desaturated to make them look, like, black and white. Old like. tiny <laughs> yeah tiny And she always has them at the weirdest moments. Like you think that the memory would be related to something, but she'll just be like talking to someone. And then she'll drift into a flashback of her sister, like eating a whole handful of dirt and then getting yelled at. And then it cuts back to her. And it's like, why did they show that? That's really bizarre. So she has all these flashbacks. And then uh, at one point you meet Rosie O'Donnell's uh, boyfriend. uh, I think his name's Steve or something. Uh, And he is this like super buff black guy who's like real slow, but he does karate in the park and him and Rosie O'Donnell get together and have sex all the time. And like, <laughs> yeah. And like Rosie O'Donnell gets sad cause she sees a baby and she's like, I wish I could have had a baby. And then Andy McDowell, that's the only like appropriate, appropriate flashback she has. It's an over the top view of Rosie O'Donnell on like the hospital stretcher oh. and she's just shaking her head back and forth. And she's like, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. And she, they like knock her out, like not with a mallet, but like they knock her out and then they yeah. just sterilize her. Like they give her a hysterectomy and you're like, whoa, Man, that's a really uh, that's a weird scene to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, the, the point of the movie is Andy McDowell's like trying to help her become independent and like go grocery shopping and stuff like that. But at every scene like that, Andy McDowell is basically like why do you got to be such a retard why can't you do it right and like just yells at her all the time and you're like okay and then she never like she's never nice to her and Rosie O'Donnell never learns but then at the end of the movie for some reason Andy McDowell like goes to social services with her and she's like you know what riding the bus is her life we should let her do that she doesn't need to be able to take care of herself in any way and it's like uh what And like she goes, like the whole movie, she's like flirting with a bus driver. And then she like goes back to her old boyfriend and she has an exhibit where it's just pictures of Rosie O'Donnell riding the bus. And that's why it's called riding. She's like an artist. And like that's how it ends. It just ends like that. And like she doesn't live with her. She didn't help her get better or anything like that. She basically just rode along the bus with her for like an hour. And then at the end of the movie, like that's what I mean. This movie has a weird message where it's kind of just like. It's like it's okay to like yell and be hard on mentally challenged people. But at the same time, just let them do whatever they feel like. We don't have to like make sure that they know how to like cook and like feed themselves properly and or anything like that. Just sterilize them and let them do whatever they feel like. So uh, that was weird watching this movie. I don't know if you guys have any opinions
1: on this. Is it jumping up to the top of your watch list? Um, well, I know that when you were talking about it, talking about taking this dark direction, I'm like, oh, is it going to go into eugenics? And then, oh, yeah, no, it totally does. It did. It, 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 it goes already, right but, into But it events. already happened. It's already, it happened before the movie started. So, uh, yay. So that's fun. <laughs> and I, what I can't believe, though, more than anything, is that uh, Angelica Houston directed this movie. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Like. I don't know if she owed Rosie O'Donnell like a favor. Like one day,
3: Angelica Houston ran over someone with her car and like Rosie O'Donnell was there and was like, let's bury this bitch and we'll get back on our life or something. But, yeah, it's totally bizarre. But, Frank, what's your opinion on eugenics? Do you think we should be sterilizing <laughs> uh, the poor and uh, the people who, uh, you know, I think at one point they were sterilizing poor people and, uh, you know, anyone with sexual proclivities that they didn't like or mentally challenged people? Well, um... You don't have to answer that,
2: by the way. <laughs> uh, I guess what I'll say is that uh, here on Letterboxd, your review is in 10th place most popular, and uh, that's that's my opinion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's fitting because that review is uh, identical to the one for the next movie. The next mm-hmm. movie. And so this
3: is what I'll get to. This is what I really want to talk about. And uh, it was... Watching these two movies in a row was a unique experience, I would say. I, I, I think other people should do this also. I would start with riding the bus with my sister because it's, it's a little more mild. Uh, but the movie I watched, uh, requested by Hot Cam, is the 2003 hit uh, Tiptoes by director Matthew Bright, the guy who did Freeway and Freeway 2 mm-hmm. uh, and some other stuff. Frank, if you're not familiar with Tiptoes, this is a movie where Gary Oldman plays a little person. And he is shot and filmed at such a way where he looks like he is half the height of other people, and sometimes they have a stand-in that is a real little person, and then he comes in too. Yep. They they put prosthetics on him to make him look like he has a giant head, and he has a hump in this movie <laughs> to really oh. drive home that he is a physically disabled little
1: person. I mean, Gary Oldman they, uh... is, is the chameleon, you know. So this was like his greatest, is ch- ch- <laughs> This was his this was hey. his greatest challenge. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um, do they also refer to them with uh, a bad? Uh, There's a lot of bad terms. Some, some hard hams dropped in this. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the
3: yeah. term It <laughs> gets just thrown out there left and right. Um, mm. So this is a movie that even a day later we I was talking with Andrea today and I can't believe that this is a real movie. It it just fucking blows my mind that this movie got passed by all of these people and they're like, yeah, this is a good idea. We should make this. And then somehow, some way, they got fucking Gary Oldman to be in this thing as the little person. They got Matthew McConaughey to be in this as his twin brother. <laughs> and they got like Peter Dinklage and like Patricia Arquette Aww. and Kate Beckinsale. David Alan Greer is in this thing for like two minutes. I can't believe that these all of these people are in this, and n- at no point, well, they someone may have done this, but maybe it was too late for them to object. But I can't believe that at no point someone was like, okay, we can't make this movie. Let's <laughs> let's pull the pin on this thing right now. So I'm gonna hit you guys with what Tiptoes is about because I had no idea other than uh, Gary Oldman was uh, in the role of a lifetime. I think it even says that on his on the cover of the like the DVD. The role of a lifetime. (laughs) So (laughs) Gary Oldman is a little person and Matthew McConaughey is his twin brother. Uh, You open up. Matthew McConaughey is with Kate Beckinsale. Uh, She's an artist and she wears very extravagant clothes and uh, they're dating and they're keeping it casual. But uh, maybe it's a little bit more than that, Jared. Uh, And so... But Matthew McConaughey has some secrets. He's like, I got to go to this thing tonight. And she's like, what are you going to? He's like, I, I can't tell you. I just I uh, it's a work thing. I got to go. And then he goes to a, a convention. Uh, it's like the little person defense league or something. And it is a uh, convention hold once a year where every little person in North America gets together and like just has a party, I guess. So he goes there. And uh, what you discover is that his entire family uh, is made up of little people, his mom, his dad and his twin brother. Rolf, who has no last name in this movie, he is addressed only as Rolf, uh, played by Gary Oldman. And he shows up on a motorcycle uh, with Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is, for some reason, playing a French man. And he has a French accent and talks about croissants Mm -hmm. and uh, crepes a lot in this movie. Uh, And they roll up on motorcycles and he just picked up Patricia Arquette. She's got cornrows and uh, Peter Dinklage and Patricia Arquette are like they're this weird role in this movie where they keep getting invited to stuff. But all they do is get really drunk and like yell at people and fight each other. But like every scene in this movie, like there's a wedding later and they're like, even at that thing where the people at the wedding are like, we don't like you. And they're like, oh, thanks for inviting us. Oh, pay me. So it's like they're real weird. But anyways, uh, Kate Beckinsale gets pregnant yeah, and then uh, Gary Oldman drops by her house because he goes to his old girlfriend's who is like might be a prostitute. She is also a little person, uh, but then uh, her immigrant boyfriend. And uh, I only say that because it's like stressed in this movie that he is like he's like Israeli or something like that. But it's they really hammer down that like he can't get a job and he's kind of a deadbeat. And he comes home when Gary Oldman's like with this girl and he beats the shit <laughs> out of Gary Oldman and the uh, little person girl who's a prostitute. And he's full on just straight punching these little people in the head and like throwing them. And you're like, holy fuck. Uh, and then like uh, the little girl, she picks up this <laughs> boom box and busts it on his head. And it's like the most bizarre fight scene you've ever seen. And it's it's even weirder because like I feel like. I don't know I maybe misinterpreted this but there's like this big buildup about like how he how he's like he's from a different country and he can't get work and maybe that's why he's angry and I was like (laughs) that's a weird message to have in this thing but anyways so he gets beat up and then he goes to his brother's house Matthew McConaughey's and he finds Kate Beckinsale and she's like oh who are you and he's like oh I'm uh," he's like I'm Steve's twin brother Rolf Uh, and she's like holy shit It's like Matthew McConaughey never told me that he had a twin brother that was a midget. And uh, so she goes to, he trains firefighters. She goes to his job and interrupts stuff. She's wearing, okay, as weird as this movie is. There's
1: so much, there's so much in
3: this movie. There's so much going on, Jared. As weird as this movie is, the most like distracting part was Kate Beckinsale's wardrobe because she was like an artist, but every time she would like, Every time they showed her, she was wearing the most ridiculous fucking clothing. Like, she goes to interrupt Matthew McConaughey while he's training firefighters and uh, to confront him about his brother that she uh, he never told her about. And uh, she's wearing, like, sweatpants with skulls and crossbones all over and But they don't go up all the way. So her whole ass is just out. Uh, she's then wearing, like, a leather vest and a sleeping cap. So like not a toque, but like an old timey sleeping cap. And then like at a different part later, there's a wedding and she's wearing a leather dog collar and it is legitimately just a dog collar. It's not like anyways, she's dressing weird. She goes and confronts him and he's like, he's like, well, what did you want me to do? He's like, tell you that my whole family were little people. And she's like, well, yeah, you should have. (laughs) She's like, because I'm pregnant now. And she's like, is there a chance that the baby could be a little person, too? And Matthew McConaughey is like, yeah definitely you should abort it and she's like oh shit she's like are you serious he's like yeah you should definitely abort that baby and uh so that's where the movie starts to go is like him being like yeah my brother lived in constant pain uh and when he wasn't in pain he was being ridiculed it's like you can't bring this baby that could potentially be a a dwarf into the world uh (laughs) you, you get a very bizarre scene where they're like talking about aborting it and then it shifts to how good at sex rolf was gary oldman the other dwarf uh and uh kate Beckinsale's says like oh yeah he had a lot of girlfriends and matthew mcconaughey is like he was uh getting laid years before i was and uh he was getting laid all the time him and all his little person friends and she's like oh yeah what did you do with those guys uh and uh matthew mcconaughey says something basically like is like we always used to get around and like jerk off and uh so this is a direct quote she goes you had a circle jerk with a bunch of little people i'd love to see that and he looks at her it's played totally straight he looks at her and goes oh yeah you'd like to see that and she looks back at him and she goes yes and then they start like kissing and then and but then they stop and then they fight again and it's like the most this whole fucking movie is like totally all over the fucking place it's like serious And then there's jokes. There's a lot of fart jokes in this, which I actually thought was really funny. At one point, Gary Oldman calls himself a fucking fart because he's like, I'm just a worthless piece of shit. He's like, I'm a fucking fart. And I thought that was really funny because I've never heard someone describe themselves as that before. But it's like it's like played really funny. And then it goes to like this like weird dark place where it's all about like abortion and like whether or not. It's it's basically like if you knew your baby could be a little person, should you abort it? So where this movie goes, Jarrett and Frank, is <laughs> Matt Matt McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale get married while she's pregnant. They decide they're just gonna do it. But then what happens is the baby comes out and they go to a little person hospital where the doctor is a little person and like the nurse is a little oh, person.
1: Oh, right, yeah, of course. Because those
3: are established things for some reason.
1: Mm-hmm. That and would you do? uh he he
3: walks into the delivery room, and uh, Kate Beckinsale's holding the baby, and you're just like, okay, is it a little person or not? And then the camera cuts to Matthew McConaughey, and he looks like basically what he looked like in Dallas Buyers Club when he was like, dying of AIDS. That's how he looks. His face is all fucking red. His hair's all out of place, and it's just like. The doctor's like, this is going to be a long, hard go for this baby. And Matthew McConaughey gets up and he's like, I fucking knew it! And he punches the door in half. And then he's like, "I." he like points at Kate Beckinsale, he's like, I fucking told you it was going to be a dwarf! He's like, we shouldn't have did this! And you're just like, holy shit, is he going to kill that little the baby? And there's this really weird scene where it's like, It almost seems like he's going to smother the baby because he's like, this baby shouldn't live. And you're like, holy fuck. You're like, what is going on? And like, it bounces back all, all the time where like Kate Beckinsale's like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, because I'm like used to it. It's just a part of my life. But then at the same time, he's like, but I also hate little people. And then like, she is the one who like dislikes them and then likes them. And it's, it's so fucking bizarre. Kate, I, 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 there's still more to talk about Jarrett. So they have a really hard time with this baby, <laughs> and you're never shown anything hard. Like they're always talking, they're like, Oh, it's so much work with this baby. And then the camera will cut to it and the baby's just sleeping. Like with a <laughs> smile, and you're like, okay. What happens is Matthew McConaughey's like, alright, we should have aborted it. It was too late. We should put this baby up for adoption. Cause I don't want to deal with it anymore. And Kate Beckinsale's like, no, we can't do that. And he's like, Well, we're we go- we're gonna and so Kate Beckinsale takes the baby, goes to
1: Rolf's house, who lives in the woods. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you'd mention that part. I, I feel like maybe uh, it just... it,
3: it's not mentioned until at that point. There's a lot of stuff. I that see. like It's mm. it either gets brought up and never addressed
1: or it just they just drop
3: it on you. Like he Matthew McConaughey is also training like one of his firefighter uh, co-workers is like this seven foot tall woman. And uh, he just gets off. There's a point where he gets off the phone with Kate Beckinsale and he's really mad and he throws the phone away. And then this lady comes out of a bush. Like, I'm not, she just walks out of a bush. She's like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, want to go to a party with me later tonight? And you're like, oh shit, is he going to cheat on her? But he takes her to a party that Kate Beckinsale is at and it's full of little people. And this super tall lady's like, what are all these midgets doing here? And then Kate Beckinsale's like, hey, that's a bad word, man. And then the lady leaves, and you're like, "Why was that lady invited to this fucking party?" Like, none of this makes any sense. But anyways, Kate Beckinsale goes out to the woods where Rolf lives. Rolf, and uh, they like, they're kind of playful. And then Kate Beckinsale gets drunk, and then she's breastfeeding. And Peter Dinklage is like, "Won't that make the baby drunk?" And Kate Beckinsale's like, eh, "Whatever." He's a he's a he's a little person. And you're like, what? That's weird. So she gets real drunk and passes out. And then uh, the baby cries. So Rolf comes and like, like shakes the baby a little like. No, it doesn't shake the baby, but like kind of like swoons it a little bit. And then uh, Kate Beckinsale's like, hey, you're a really good dad. Do you want to be this baby's dad? And then Matthew McConaughey comes out and is like, I'm ready to do whatever it takes to be this baby's dad. And then he sees Rolf and he's like, oh, I see. He's like, take good care of my son, Rolf. And then he walks away. And then that's how the movie ends. Whew. That's tiptoes. I know that <laughs> took a long time to get out. But uh, this is honestly one of the most bizarre movies I have ever, ever seen. And I, I cannot believe that it
1: got made. It's very weird. You know, there's an entire podcast about this very thing. About films <laughs> that you cannot believe got made.
3: yeah. I've heard. Uh, also, uh, Tom Segura's podcast talks about this thing a lot. But this movie is really bizarre, man. I, I encourage you guys to watch it. Watch it with some like a friend or something, though. Yeah. Don't watch it by yourself. No. So uh, that's what I did this week. Uh, <laughs> you guys watch any movies or what? Or do you, do you have anything to say about Tiptoes yeah. or are you just letting it all uh, sink in? I, I <laughs> I, I'm just letting it sink in.
1: Uh,
2: I think I'll make a little comment here. I looked it up. And I found an article where Peter Dinklage defends Gary Oldman dwarf movie tiptoes. Oh. And he says, it was sort of an amazing idea for a movie. But the result.
1: <laughs> sort of amazing. Of,
2: but the result of the new cut was what we were fighting against the cuteness of little people. Mm. There was some flack. Why would you put Gary Oldman on his knees? That's almost like blackface, and I have my own opinions about pol- political correctness. But I was just like, it's Gary Oldman. He can do whatever he wants, and I'm so happy to be here.
3: That's a, that's a good strong uh, position to take on this. Yeah, this is offensive that Gary Oldman's walking around on his knees. But you know what?
1: Whatever. He's Gary Oldman. And at least Peter Dinklage didn't get aborted
3: oh fuck man so it's like riding on the bus with the sister has the weird sterilization scene and then this one has like the scene where it's basically in the hospital and matthew McConaughey is like going to kill a newborn infant and you're just like holy shit
2: what are these movies did anybody uh did anybody try to stop him at all or they just let him
3: oh uh the doctor's like maybe you should go see a, a psychiatrist
2: and uh, okay, yeah, he's like, "That's Why? how you. Yeah, that's how, how you stop a
3: murderer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe you should go see a counselor or something. You seem a little unhinged here. Yeah. Anyways, that's what I watched, Jarrett. Wow. And uh, Frank. So uh, I'll let, I'll just hand it over to you guys for a while, and uh, I'm done for the night.
1: Okay, uh, Frank. Is there any uh, any movies you want to talk about? Any creeping?
2: Well, I uh, I did watch quite a few movies, but I think I'll. To, to, tone it down maybe to a two that okay. I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe three, but you guys have talked about it before. Okay. So I'm yeah. actually, I'll start with that one. Sure. Uh, Annihilation. Okay. Ooh, okay. So I'm pretty sure everybody knows what Annihilation is about by now. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's one of the best movies of the year. It's uh, one of the most intelligent movies. You know, uh, scientifically proven to be intelligent. <laughs> and uh I disagree I disagree highly it takes but I did find myself arguing for it on uh on a YouTube video comment section
1: mm, okay it,
2: it was it was weird <laughs> um I'll explain that in a bit I guess uh about the movie I just I don't I don't I don't see it it's it seemed very like the characters are definitely tropes. You have uh, Michelle Rodriguez played by, uh, what's her name? Um, Gina Rodriguez?
3: Yes. Michelle Rodriguez? Mm-hmm. Aren't they both in this? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Just oh. the one. The she Michelle plays... Rodriguez role played yes. by, is it yes. Gina Rodriguez? I think so. The girl hmm. from uh, Jane
2: the Virgin, right?
3: Yeah, it's Gina Rodriguez.
2: Yeah. So Gina Rodriguez, she plays Michelle Rodriguez in this movie. And, uh, you know, we have... uh, What can we say? Well, I guess guess that about sums up the tropes. (laughs) Uh, The rest are tropes, but I don't have titles for them as of yet. Maybe I'll email them in later uh, once I figure these out. Uh, But, yeah, we... uh, this movie, it's uh, I like Stalker, and uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> so I remember when we watched this, Jarrett brought up Stalker, and I think a lot of other people do yeah. too. But uh, mm-hmm. we were we were kind of warm on this, but this was another infamous uh, bad uh, theater experience for us, where uh, the speakers in the theater just didn't work. So like this whole movie, we just couldn't hear very well. And this, the audio would just crap. Like it would just like go into that weird whiny thing where you're just like,
1: your ears kind of hurt and you're like, ah, yeah. Like all the, the the center speaker was all tinny. I remember that vividly,
2: but, but the, either way, the dialogue makes your ears hurt. So, uh, (laughs) it's one of those. Yeah. So are you saying
3: former president Barack Obama is wrong when he says this is one of the top 10 movies of the year?
2: He did I'm sorry, not. Brock. Did I'm he sorry, really Brock. say that?
3: <laughs> it, yeah. Did you not see that was hot news last week? It was no. his like top movies, and Annihilation hey, was on. The
2: but uh, who you were talking about? Uh, Rosie. Rosie. Wouldn't that be maybe one of Trump's favorite movies? Then <laughs> he likes to he likes to dish it out on that Rosie O'Donnell. He does. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it's, it's with it's a opinion. good reason.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that movie's. It's anyways this is your time to talk keep going
2: <laughs> well annihilation the dialogue it's it's not at all realistic like i mean you know it's, it movies dialogue uh, they don't always have to be the most realistic uh i guess especially when it comes to science fiction because you, you can say whatever in a science fiction movie and uh, it works because it's in that world or whatever but uh they just don't talk like human beings And so that's why by the end when you're left with the question, is she even human anymore? It doesn't matter. She never really was. She never spoke like one. Oh, (laughs) man. Yeah.
3: I I like your take on this.
2: (laughs) I don't know. This, it's like the more you, it's one of those, the more I think about it, the more I hate it, Yeah. but I don't really hate it. It's not an all bad movie. Like, you know, it looks nice sometimes when it doesn't look too fake. Uh, some good ideas. I like the ideas of like the replicas being there. Uh, actually, the whole reason I even wanted to watch the movie when I saw, I think I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. It was the shot of uh, the white. I'm, I don't know if it's albino. I don't know if the other animals are albino because I think the crocodile shark. Yeah, the
1: crocodile they, thing they, is,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm, they call, well, that's white. I think they also said it's a shark. But I think the yeah. only reason they say it's part shark is for the teeth. it doesn't look like a shark it's a all crocodile and so that's why i was also confused about the location of this uh this uh shimmer Mm -hmm. area because they got a crocodile shark where in the united states or whatever country they said do you have those in the same area and do they not have have them
3: in athens georgia crocodiles and sharks
2: I I think I've seen a few uh, yeah before, but I uh, I'm not sure. It could have been uh, something else, like a yeah. barracuda or something. Mm-hmm.
3: My mm-hmm. uh my memory might be wrong, but I think so. The movie takes place in like California, right? So it was Florida, I thought. It, it is the Everglades. Okay, if so crocodiles in Florida, and then I guess
1: you could have sharks in the ocean. Is there sharks yeah. in the Gulf of Mexico? Cause I, I kind of assumed it was like, yeah. kind of like the interior side of the coast rather than the Atlantic side. Mm.
2: Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I imagined it as well as California. It's just everything is in California. What is mm-hmm. an, even, uh, even the movies that aren't shot in California are in California. That's there will true. be blood. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> so uh yeah i don't know it's uh, well i guess what it was was the albino deer that's what got me and i was mm-hmm. like i have to watch this movie gotcha. the Princess mononoke deer yeah <laughs> yes that's yeah. exactly why i've always had like uh i don't i don't know what would you call it i just it calls to me the albino creatures in mm. fact i uh i am petitioning currently for an albino chewbacca because uh <laughs> That's what I'd love to see. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe <laughs> when you can
3: make your Disney uh, Star Wars movie, you can throw that in there.
2: Mm-hmm. When they uh, pay me those hundred million, and uh, maybe I might spend it right here. <laughs> All I mean, that we, money,
3: we take it. But <laughs> I'm sure they might be knocking on your door somewhere. Like they're out of options after yeah. that Ron Howard deal. They they don't know what to do. So
2: mm-hmm. That's why not? So, I haven't I haven't seen that yet. The solo movie. Me neither. Don't. If, does, does it have good. an albino Chewbacca? If it does, fun. I'll watch it. If it doesn't, mm, yeah. hard pass. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let me see. Moving on from Annihilation, um, I watched. Let me see. Uh, The Thing. I'm gonna go with The Thing first, cause the next movie John is Carpenter's one.
0: Thing?
2: Yes, John Carpenter's The Thing. I've never, I'd never seen it before. Oh, what? Man. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Um. Uh, well, I picked it for top. I think I made like a. I made a top 15 list. I um. You know, I have two accounts on Letterboxd.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One where I try to do a little bit more in-depth reviews. I try to Roger Ebert my reviews and uh, <laughs> really, you know, mm-hmm. make them look real fancy. And then my other one is what I actually feel, uh, not trying to look fancy or, Mm -hmm. you know. So uh, on that account, I have a few lists where I rank the top 10, usually, watches of that month. Mm -hmm. And uh, The Thing made it to number one last minute. I think it was (laughs) about three or four days before I watched Mm -hmm. The Thing, Uh, late at night. Uh, and it, it, it got me pretty bad. I'm not a very easy uh, person to scare. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, it's pretty difficult to scare me. Uh, my brothers can attest to the fact. Um, but it got me twice.
3: <laughs> was it the, uh, was it the, uh, chest resuscitation?
2: No, I'd actually seen that. That scene was ruined for me. Oh, no. I know. It's such that a nice I surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh but what did surprise me was uh the blood poking. I'll call it that. Blood mm-hmm. poking.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: uh there was another scene I can't think of it off the top of my head. I remember jumping. <laughs> <laughs> I remember jumping twice. I know the blood poking one got me. And there was another scene. It might have been the dog. I think it might have been the dog. Yeah, that's one seems of the scary. dogs. Yeah. Just uh, I love dogs. Uh, I've said on uh, the podcast before through the email that uh, Mm -hmm. I like to save dogs from other humans. As we all know, humans are pretty bad and dogs don't need humans. So uh, I like to release them from their enclosures and let them run wild. And uh, yeah, uh, my neighborhood is uh, known for the wild pack of dogs running around just wild dogs everywhere you go. Mhm.
0: I'm on board with uh, that.
2: There's there's like a gang war here between the deer's and the the dogs. <laughs> wow.
1: You're And uh <laughs> And you and you've yeah, obviously chosen a side here too. You're you're trying to help the dogs.
2: Yeah, the deer you know, they leave presents on the I hope you guys know what I mean by presents. They leave presents on the, <laughs> on the asphalt. You know where where we park the car. We don't need deer <laughs> excrement there. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to go places and uh, they're in the way. <laughs> lousy. Yeah, deer.
3: we got yeah lousy deer.
2: Um, going back to the thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what it why I'd never seen it before. I guess I'd always looked at it like, oh, it's going to be like Predator. I like Predator. I like Arnie and the uh, spine tearing scenes. I like that. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was going to be a lot more of the, uh, you know, the Action big movie, arms. Yeah. yeah, you know, the, the, the what's it called? The scene, uh, they grip... And oh, the arm the, wrestle yeah, in yeah, the air. Yeah, guys, the the, the
1: handshake. With, with Carl yes. Weathers. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be mostly that. <laughs> uh, and I thought I'd seen the scariest scene, the the stomach, the jaws. <laughs> mm. um, but I was wrong. I was uh, dead wrong. And that's why it's at number one for December watches. hmm mm-hmm. Unlucky for me, I only have it on Vudu as of right now. uh, uh Got it for two bucks. I think I've I've told Jarrett this. There is a way on Voodoo where you can transfer uh, DVDs and Blu-rays by taking a picture of the barcode. Uh, You can get it Mm -hmm. in your digital account for two dollars, like through the barcode. Right. And uh, a friend of mine, he had it, and he let me take a picture of it, and now I have it for two (laughs) bucks on Voodoo. But now I'm gonna spend that ten bucks on that Blu-ray, because uh, that that's a good movie. <laughs> that, that's a really good movie.
1: Yeah, that movie's mm-hmm. uh pretty spectacular. Like it's amazing how well everything in that holds up. Um, yeah. I couldn't I can't really say enough good things about that. It's a it's an all time banger, that thing.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that thing called the thing.
1: Yeah. And um, and aliens. What? Uh, and aliens, RJ. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yep. I know. Aliens, James was it James Cameron? Aliens?
1: Yes. Yeah, he did yeah.
3: aliens. I think I think Jared's just talking about nothing. Sometimes he wanders. He's an old man. He forgets what he's doing. He's talking
2: a, about nothing or the thing. I'm talking uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nice.
2: Aliens, eh, I prefer the first one.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: You know why? You want to know why? 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 Uh, same reason uh, RJ had a little issue with this movie. Uh, the guy who wouldn't shut up.
1: Oh, and now no. he's been and Fucking now piece been, of
2: shit Bill Paxton. <laughs> oh, he's been you. silenced forever. Oh, you, you see, totally are you
1: monsters.
2: <laughs> totally validated and vindicated. Look, no, I I like, like, you're, you're, you're I like on the wrong uh, side of history. Both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bill Paxton. I like him in Tombstone. I feel Mm -hmm. bad for him. But then he didn't be quiet (laughs) in Aliens. I I couldn't enjoy it as much as I could have.
3: I endorse this message (laughs) completely. Bill Paxton ruins Aliens. He is so fucking annoying. (laughs) And Jared is the one who is wrong.
2: (laughs) Hey, anytime they say I didn't sign up for this, that's just that's not good. Not good.
3: (laughs) Mm hmm. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Wrong, <laughs> Jarrett. <laughs> you guys. Um, the last movie I only wanted to mention it, cause, uh, cause I know one of you is gonna have to watch it, mm. and that's uh, Aquaman, <laughs> 2018, James Wan, Aquaman. Oh, oh man, I'll get
3: there soon. Mm-hmm. I'll get there and soon. And I'm think interested to hear what you think.
2: I'll keep it at it. Most people will say, "Oh, it's a fun movie." I'm going to say, I think it's trying to be fun. Mm, uh I I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah. But you you might have had more fun watching Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah. That was,
3: that was a ton of fun actually. Like if, it if you can like watch it. if you can watch that movie with uh, someone else, uh you'll have a great time.
2: Yeah, so uh listeners at home, uh that's, uh, that's what you need to watch. Gary Oldman, not, not Aquaman, uh, well, in theaters yeah, now.
3: <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. Kind of what I thought, but, you know, I'll yeah, still well, watch
2: it. I'll give it a what shot. You see, what you see in the trailer is basically what you get in the movie. Yeah. And then, I, actually, I had the worst uh, theater experience myself on this one, oh. caused by my very own father, who loved the movie and oh. wants me to buy it when it comes out for him. Oh, well, that's Um, fun. At least he likes it, you know? He liked it, but he didn't watch a whole scene because he was interrupting everyone in the theater. So uh, my dad is one of those guys who he just, he doesn't doesn't care. He doesn't care about what we think of anything, uh, frankly. And so if he says uh, Justice League is good, uh, then it's good and uh, we have to take his word for it. And Because uh, he's a big fan. He's a big fan of the superhero stuff. He grew mm-hmm. up on uh, Super Friends, the old cartoon, the I think 60s, 70s maybe, Super mm-hmm. Friends. And he loves Superman mainly. So he that was actually his only complaint was where was Superman during Aquaman?
1: <laughs> Where's Superman? What's Superman <laughs> doing? Where's Superman? Where and is it's, a, he?
2: it's a valid question, you know? Yeah. Like uh, He's supposed to save the world. Uh, what's he doing? Uh, when... Mm-hmm. The bad guy is throwing garbage and uh, Navy ships onto the mainland. <laughs> Where's Superman? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my dad, he uh, he's a businessman. I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. He's a big-time businessman. Nothing will get in the way of his business, not even Superman or uh, Aquaman in this case. Mm-hmm. So he got a phone call, and my dad... Uh, <laughs> He's not one to walk away when he has a phone call. So if we're in the middle of service, Sunday mm-hmm. service, if we're in the middle of uh, a trial, he'll pick up that phone. He'll answer that phone, and uh, his phone doesn't work very well. He uh, can only hear when it's uh, speaker phone. So my dad blasts speaker phone during Aquaman. For 10 minutes. Did, did, did nobody say anything? Everybody was watching him versus the movie. So that's, that's, that's about as good as the movie is. Uh, one wow. man on the phone can distract you for 10 minutes. I like uh, that. But, <laughs> I, I respect um, that. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, everybody was mad at him, including uh, my family that was there. Uh, my mother uh said that she would no longer attend a movie with him if he carried his phone and the problem is he has two phones because he has his personal phone for his personal work place mm-hmm. uh, work jobs and then he has his job job work jobs that he also he's a you know he's a businessman so he has oh. several jobs <laughs> he likes to do and uh, I, I'm pretty sure that he wouldn't even interrupt one call to answer the other like, that's that's what he would do. <laughs> I dig it.
1: Yeah. <clears throat>
3: I think that sounds hilarious.
1: Oh. That yeah, was I, I'm, about... I'm sure there's, like, the, a <laughs> podcast somewhere being recorded out of Athens, Georgia, that's, like, complaining about this fucking guy who interrupted their viewing of Aquaman.
2: Probably true. A lot of the people I saw were college students, which mm-hmm. I thought all the college guys were gone. 'Cause uh you know yep. uh, holidays the yes. New Year's holiday. Yeah, you know, people people like to go but I guess they came back for Aquaman. And uh yeah. it was pretty packed. We were we were actually at the very uh back row. Mm-hmm. Uh we we were there for a GTX showing. I don't know you guys have GTX. It's it's basically like cheaper IMAX. Hmm. No.
1: it's we have just
3: EMX, the rapper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's basically just you you pay more for louder sound okay that's okay. it and even that couldn't drown my dad's uh business no. so yeah that's that's my take on that movie wow and uh i know uh rj you're gonna watch it one of these mm-hmm. dates and uh then you'll have a real good idea of Yep. What I'm saying here,
3: hey, I might, I might just take a phone call during the movie, put it on speakerphone,
2: see what best, happens. Best, best way to watch the movie, yeah. I think. I think that's hilarious. I like that story. <laughs> Maybe uh, I can get my dad on the podcast one of these days, <laughs> yeah.
3: and, and, he, and he can take a phone
2: call. Yeah, yes. better yet, <laughs> and
3: send him up here, and we'll take him to a
2: movie. There you go. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he wanted to uh, travel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh I think uh, it's not the best idea considering all all his business. He would just come back wow. the day no, same day. He would go out, same day come back.
1: He's <laughs> done much, it before yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> just too much business, Jared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too much business. Well, yeah. I watched a shit ton of movies cuz I was off work for a week. Um Jesus. and I will not regale you with all of them. Uh I did watch <laughs> The Night Comes for Us. The uh, Indonesian movie, uh, the the bloodbath, the gore fest that is the night comes for us, um, and this movie is it's from the uh, it's not from the director of the raid and the raid two. It's from the stunt coordinator of those. So this okay. is him. He's made a few movies now. Uh, this is one of them. It's on Netflix. Uh, if you like to watch men just be like butchered left and mm-hmm. right uh, and killed in martial arts movies, shot up. Uh, This is the movie for you. Uh, If you're looking for, like, a story that's, like, interesting, makes sense, is above, like, the usual kind of action movie stuff, uh, go elsewhere. Because this movie is just, like, you come for the gore, and that's about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I found myself kind of, like, just, like, listless while watching this um, and being, like, I definitely like The Raid 2 way more than this. And I Mm like The Raid more than this too so it's like fine but uh, I I don't know I've seen some people really really love this um, but I don't know I barely remember it now I, I watched this on Christmas Eve as you do mm-hmm. but I don't know if you've got two hours you want to watch like a violent martial arts movie with guns uh, check it out but I don't know if that's appealing to either of you
2: nope <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'll stick to uh Long car Y here. Okay. (laughs) Good
1: call. (laughs) Um, Next up was uh, the Ralph Bakshi animated movie, Fire and Ice. Uh, It's his uh, Mm. sword and sorcery animated film done with a rotoscope animation. Um, It's like co-done with Frank Frazetta, the artist. And, yeah, I mean, it is your meat and potatoes fantasy film. I'd never seen it before. Um, It definitely celebrates the Frank Frazetta's, like, love of his wife's butt. Because there's, like, the the woman in this. Like, there's so many times where it's, like, her, like, constantly getting up. And the camera's always positioned from wherever her butt is in frame. Uh, And the the story itself, it's like your Conan sort of story where it's, like, a bunch of, like, Mm -hmm. dudes in loincloths are facing off against a dark necromancer type uh, who uses, like, the ice age as his weapon uh, and against like lava people. Uh, mm. And uh, there's just lots of chases. The animation's awesome. Like it is like v- very different looking than uh, like animation from that same period, just because of that rotoscoping mm-hmm. look where you have, um, yeah, just the, what do you call it? Like the figure work drawn over top of it, so it's like everyone has like this real physical look to it. The color palette's really nice and stuff like that. But um, I I enjoyed it, but I don't know if it's for everybody. And like I don't know if either of you've watched like any real Ralph Bakshi films. Like uh, oh, I've seen almost all. Oh, of them. I'm, I'm bet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he worked on like I think like the one that most people know is like a, a heavy metal. Uh, the animated movie of that, which I've never liked. Oh, okay. Uh, but like, he's just a guy who's around. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched also another uh, Titan of animation, Don Bluth. Uh, I watched his Secret of Nim. Um, oh yeah. Which I had never seen before. And RJ, I don't know if you're familiar with this story at all. I know Secret of Nim. I think I watched it when I was a little kid. But uh, yeah, it it would it would be so long ago that.
3: Isn't it about, like, a rat or a hamster and then, like, a fairy and they kind of, like, live or something?
1: It's, so it's about a mouse. Uh, It's a single, it's a, it's a widowed mouse with her kids and Mm -hmm. uh, she's trying to, like, get by in the world because her husband has just died and Mm -hmm. uh, who's a mouse. And then it turns into, like, this, like, fantasy story, um, but it involves, like, rats. But they're all, like, there's some sort of secret that these rats know. And mm-hmm. it's because they all are escaped rats from a medical facility who were all experimented on. And <laughs> now now they're super intelligent. They live in the rose bush at this farm. And there's, mm-hmm. some, there's like, government plans about, like, finding these rats who have escaped. Uh, these rats are so mm-hmm. smart, they start wearing, like, Renaissance clothing and have yeah. swords. And... Uh, so there's scheming and whatnot underfoot. Uh, there's an evil cat named Dragon. Um, there's the uh, the. The cat's name is Dragon. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And it's a big, mean farm cat who just yeah. like terrorizes the farm. I like that quite a bit. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's a Don Bluth. Uh, Cartoon, So it looks gorgeous. Um, That's, like, probably my walk, my biggest takeaway from this. I've read some Mm -hmm. reviews of this, uh, though, that, like, where they've read the book that it's based on. And the book's supposed to be, like, really good and, like, kind of taps into the horrors of, like, medical experimentation on animals. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whereas this cartoon kind of hand waves all that to, like, tell this fantasy story Mm -hmm. involving, like, magical medallions. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, it's not what it could have been, I suppose. But, uh, I mean, it was fine. I was glad I finally got around to watching this. Uh, Have either of you uh, delved into, like, Don Bluth animations, like uh, Land Before Time or uh, An American Tale, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, (laughs) all all that? Because Don Bluth was, like, that guy who kind of, like, splintered Mm -hmm. off from Disney because he felt really restrained about what type of stories he wanted to do and what they wouldn't let him do. So he just made his own Mm -hmm. studio so he could actually profit from it.
3: Well, shit, yeah, man, I know that. What about you, uh, Frank? You know, you seen seen any of them?
2: Land Before Time uh, is one of those movies that I am super biased on. I grew up on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember seeing it on cassette, VHS cassette. Um. Hmm. Probably a thousand times when I yeah. was like two. Were you so t- that's probably. Were, were you, you traumatized by it?
1: Because I I really found there's like scar <laughs> is like there's yeah. like the death scenes and stuff like that and Ducky and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I uh, that movie I, I I really didn't like watching it because it was like oh I don't <laughs> like where this goes like where I, I, that was like my problem with it. I have no idea mm-hmm. how it plays now because I remember that movie also felt like it was like. Four or five hours long, and I'm sure it was like 80 minutes. But it always felt like this huge adventure and trek across like prehistoric land, watching these poor little dinosaurs like Sarah and whatever going around (laughs) trying to no yeah. It
2: it, it, it's funny because it's it is an adventure movie, and as a little kid, you're watching it, and by the end of it, you feel like you went with them, and you're tired, and you can go to sleep now. There you you go. (laughs) It's a nap time after uh, watching Land Before Time, and then uh, yeah. I watched the sequels as well as a oh, kid. Yeah, I, uh, I never
1: got that deep. I've <laughs> seen
2: a couple. They of weren't, those. they weren't Don Bluth, from what I can tell. No, so, uh, no, no, no. We won't count those. No, but no. And, yeah, Land Before Time. I I'd get frightened a little bit, but I wasn't. I wasn't a little
1: wimp. So, <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> was. Jared is a little little girl, but yeah, still am, still am, still am. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Got the got the pigtails. That's right. Uh, Well, my uh, my uh, Christmas Eve movie I got uh, I talked my family into watching uh, this year uh, was Batman Returns because I oh you did it I did good for you yeah I uh, I wanted to watch that movie because it had been like twenty years since I'd seen it last and I was really uh, aching for some Danny DeVito penguin ass in those uh, that Mm. Union suit of his (laughs) and it delivered Uh, this it's a bad movie. I will definitely, like, not... It's it's, it's be- I disagree. It's a poor movie. It doesn't make any sense. The tone of it is totally yeah. consistent, but... Uh, it's a good... The amount of, like, production and stuff like that that went into it on uh, Tim Burton's side is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny DeVito's hilarious. Like, I'm, like, constantly laughing at, like, that green-black shit in his mouth. He's, like... like mm-hmm. I, I always hated when he's in that union suit. Like, because it's, like, he should be in, like, a suit. Like, in the... TV show, like he should, even in the animated series, he'd wear suits, he looked like a proper gentleman, and not this like snarling little feral man beast who lives in like the zoo, raised by penguins, talking Mm -hmm. about, I want to know who my human parents were, and uh, and talking about uh, giving women the French, uh, flipper trick. Uh, it's just like, he's just so ridiculous. Does in does movie. doesn't Christopher Walken say Poonan uh, punanny in that movie or something? Uh, I don't know if he does, I, but he totally is playing Donald Trump in that movie. Uh, yeah. but I think it's also because, uh, Christopher Walken's got that same New York accent that Trump has. Cause even, in, cause even in it, uh, Max Schreck, <laughs> uh, he has a son who's like kind of like mm. an Eric Trump type of stand in. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, so, uh, Batman Returns, it's, like, there's this stuff, and it's just, like, unintentionally hilarious, uh, and, uh, the end of the movie with the, the, uh, spoilers, the death of the penguin, and, like, as soon as he, like, timber spots and dies flat on his face, the penguins, like, in their men in penguin suits come out immediately, and they, like, kind of give him, like, a, a Viking funeral into the icy water, and he (laughs) just sinks down, it's just so ridiculous, and you can't help but laugh with joy at just, like, the, the How depth, cool the, it is the, 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 you mean the, no? Oh, god. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a bit where uh, when uh, Mac Shrek finds out that Selena Kyle's Catwoman, he he declares you fired, and I'm like, whoa, that's that's omniscient right there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Batman Returns, uh, that it's uh, it's a good bad movie, I'd argue.
2: I know I, I said I wasn't a wimp before, but uh, that movie got me. Ah, that one? Nice. <laughs> There's two scenes yeah. I remember clearly, and that's what stuck with me about that movie. I think I saw it one time later, but the scene where was it he bites. The I don't guy's know exactly, face? Is it? Yes. Yeah, they're, they're, that it's, like, scene. it's one of his
1: political consul- consultants. He, like, he The guy's mm-hmm. kind of like a smarmy dick, and he's like, Oh, hey, come here. <laughs> what if I bit you in the face? <laughs> and then he just bites him on the face, yeah.
2: That mm-hmm. scene, and then Michelle Pfeiffer licking uh, Batman's face. Oh yeah! <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. two two face to face related incidents in that movie right. are what uh, traumatized me as a child. One because uh, too gruesome, I you know for that age, and the other one because uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's tongue.
1: too hot, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. too sexy, baby. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um what else i got here i, well, I rewatched i willow uh the film oh, also starring are you one a, of those hardcore a, willow supporters no i am not uh this movie also oh. stars a little person uh warwick davis and his adventures mm-hmm. uh with val kilmer uh as they try to return a baby so there's actually some connections here with uh Tiptoes, arguably, I suppose. Well, uh, but did they drop any hard well, M's in that one. Nope, uh, there's not. Nope. In fact, there's like remember there were uh, there scenes where they make fun of tall people, um, and then, <laughs> yeah, because because you get you because you see it from like the dwarf perspective, or I guess like they're uh, hobbits, mm. kind of more halflings. Or they have a different name for them in this. Uh, so this movie also has like really really bad comedy French accents. Like I don't know if either of you have mm-hmm. seen Willow or remember it, but there's like the brownies who are like the really tiny people. Uh, mm-hmm. one of them is played by Kevin Pollak and they they are so goddamn annoying. Like when people talk about Ewoks and Return of the Jedi being annoying, they mm-hmm. don't know what they're talking about because the Brownies in the in Willow are so goddamn unfunny and they're in, like as soon as they show up, they're in every scene and they're always making jokes cuz there's no moment that like cause it's, so this movie is directed by Ron Howard. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, like there's no moment that doesn't remind you, oh, the brownies are there. Oh, they they better catch up. Oh, they're falling behind. And, uh, ha hee ha. Like it's, I don't <laughs> understand, um, what's going on in this movie. People know what Willow is. It was like the best fantasy movie we had before Lord of the Rings came out, I guess. Th- that, that, mm-hmm. this and like Conan. But it's like when you go back and watch it, it starts off with some promise and then it just like kind of spins at wheels like over and over again. It doesn't like progress very quickly. But then it gets to like one of another like moment of childhood trauma for me is when the evil witch sorceress turns like the entire uh, men's army into pigs. Uh, and the mm-hmm. makeup sequence in that is just terrifying. Like I still am like not a big fan of pig masks. Uh, when I see them in movies and stuff like that, I'm always like, Oh, pig masks. I, I don't like that. And it's, it feels like it's something about like the, the close proximity that pigs have with humans and just like starts making me think about that. And it's just like, no, I, am not, a f- I'm not into this, but, uh, yeah. Willow. Uh, have either of you seen that Willow? Uh, I saw when I was a little kid. I don't really remember it a lot, but uh,
3: Andrea is actually a big fan of Willow. Uh-huh. She used to watch it as a little kid, so she brings it up a lot. She probably hasn't, I would say she probably hasn't seen it in many years. Yeah. But uh, it's every once in a while, it's like, hey, do you want to watch Willow? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know about Frank, though, if he has any strong opinions on Willow.
2: um No. I don't, I don't know. Uh, the, the closest connection I have probably is that uh, I knew a pig once and uh, we <laughs> ate them for uh, for uh, New Year's.
1: Wow, yeah. well, that's
2: that's uh, that's what we ate. <laughs> <laughs> we ate some uh, pork taquitos, and uh, <laughs> I didn't realize it, we, we were invited, it was an invitation thing. Uh, we have some friends who they own a little farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got there and I was eating and I actually asked, hey, where's the pig? I remember the pig, the pig in the pig pen. Aww. So, they like, oh, he's on the grill. <laughs> well, where, where's yeah. Wilbur? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So, uh, he lives inside of, of me now. Yeah, somewhere inside <laughs> of you. He lives inside all of us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, that's my connection to Willow, no. I think, for um, now.
1: <laughs> nice. My, uh, I think my favorite discovery though in this last week was a straight, i not even straight video, a made-for-TV movie sequel called "When a Stranger Calls Back." So this is like a mm-hmm. 1993 Showtime film that uh, is a sequel to like the "When a Stranger Calls" movie with Carol Kane from like the 70s, um, which I didn't think very much of. But I've heard with this "When a Stranger Calls Back" movie that like the first 25 minutes are worth it completely like they're so well made and i was like oh yeah well i'm gonna find out one way or another so i watched it and sure enough it is um so this is a movie it's like a woman on her own uh babysitting and then a stranger calls and uh -hmm. and things just escalate from there the first 25 minutes of this are outstanding like they are tense so well it's so well edited well paced Uh, It's incredible. Like, I was so sucked in and kind of like, oh, God. Like, it's amazing how easy it makes making this type of movie work and how often movies completely fail to even try to, like, elicit that sort of response. Mm -hmm. But then after the first 25 minutes, it it changes gears and it turns into this, like, absolute run-of-the-mill 90s thriller stuff. But... I don't even want to spoil it because it's like, you have to watch it. There is stuff in here that like, uh, uh RJ would call Jarrett pick stuff, like drill Jarrett elements Aww. that are like, Holy <laughs> fuck. I was so pleasantly surprised with it. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I can't even believe they were able to pull this off. Uh, it's so ridiculous. Um, I, I can't even, like if I say it out loud, it kind of like kills it. if you want to watch it, but man, I, I was like, wowed by this movie. I can't believe how good, much better this was than the original. um, and I mean, it's not good. Like there's it, the dialogue sucks. There's this stuff in this that's terrible, but when it's good, it, I can't even compare it to anything else. Um, mm. so, I don't know. I, I, I would, uh, it's a, it's a strong recommendation for me. I think if you want to watch like a nineties thriller and watch them, like, re- like the first 25 minutes are genuinely excellent. And then the, f- the second half or the last two thirds get to that last third. And it's, there's some amazing stuff going on. <laughs> Uh, I'm not buying it. Oh, RJ. (laughs) Get on board, buddy. No, your movies suck. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: well, I'm, uh, only 19 and I have a few years ahead, so maybe somewhere down the line.
1: Yeah, you've got, Mm -hmm. like, 16 years to get around to it. I mean, I just watched Mm -hmm. it, like, a week ago, so. Uh, for new movies, I watched Widows, not Willow, Mm. but Widows. Oh, yeah. How Uh, was that? Average. Very, very, oh, very good average. Very. That, average. What's your that's take what on, what's, what's both your guys' take on Steve McQueen? Overrated. Um, mm. <laughs> so, okay, my, I, I, Hunger was okay. I've never seen mm-hmm. Shame. Uh, 12 Years of Slaves is his best movie, but even that's like, I'm like, oh, it was good, but I'd never watch mm-hmm. it again. Uh, and Widows, like, I don't know, like, I just seen some people like losing their minds over this movie, and it's just like, I watched it, and I was kind of like, this is just like a run-of-the-mill crime movie. Like, and it's like not even like, I don't know. There's some real brutal lines of dialogue in this. Um, mm-hmm. It's star-studded. Like, it's, I, I was always like, oh, I didn't realize a lot of these people were in it till the movie started going. But there's like, watching even the trailer, like, there's like, I watched it before watching the movie, and I was like, ugh, I don't know about <laughs> this. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get the the Steve McQueen hype. <laughs>
2: Hey, at really? least uh, at least it has actual Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, there you
1: go. I was gonna say <laughs> when you're talking about Michelle Rodriguez, I'm like, hey, I just saw her this week. Did she drop a uh, Frank's favorite line? We didn't sign up for this
3: in oh. that one. Ooh, she I, drops
1: those quite a bit in every yeah. movie she's ever she, been in. Well, she, there there is definitely opportunities for her to drop it in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. She doesn't yeah. take the opportunity. Uh, like if you, and if you like watch this and you don't figure out at least like one twist within the first five minutes, I don't know what to say about you. And I've seen some people who are like, really, uh, oh, I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) It's, It's ridiculous. It's like hereditary twists. It's like, come on.
2: I don't know. I've heard that, was it that Daniel Kaluuya guy? He does pretty good in this movie.
1: Uh... I don't know. I, I don't even like remember him. <laughs> it's like it's a hard stance. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think
2: I think the article I read that in was uh some uh reporter like, gushing over him anyways. I so see. It might have not been hard fact oh,
1: there. some, some <laughs> subjective truths. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah it might have been uh you know, one of those little Snapchat uh newsweek story things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared doesn't know what Snapchat
3: is. That went went right over his head. I
1: I kind of know. Jared's
3: 49 years old. He has (laughs) no idea what anything is. Yeah.
2: 30 Um, years over me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, in in RJ time. Uh, (laughs) You know what was an awesome movie? What? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, You've been talking about this for a long time. You were pretty hyped up for it. Uh, Tell
3: us in a non- Tell us what your opinion was as what you were going to do without me having to prompt you to.
1: Well, RJ. (laughs) Complicated. uh, So I went into this movie kind of like in the the mists of hype machine. Because this movie, people have been like hyping up real good lately. Talking about how it's this revelation. There's like reviews saying, just when you thought that the superhero genre had been like completely... uh, Developed and there's nothing more to say. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse comes along and proves us all wrong. But it's like I've been reading that about every superhero movie movie that's ever come out because it's all oh, everyone is a better than the last, and it's never true. So the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse though, it's got this advantage that it's an animated movie, and I honestly had no idea this movie existed until like I don't know. Like, that it was getting a theatrical release at least like, until like three weeks ago. And I was like, what is this movie? Like, like this is the sort of stuff that gets released straight to video from, like, Disney. And no one ever talks about it ever again. It's like, how many times a month does, like, a, a Batman animated movie come out? And no one gives a crap about it. Um, yeah. So I just figured, like, oh, that's all this is. But then suddenly it's, like, got a theatrical release. I'm like, okay, so they're doing the, the Teen Titans Go thing where they're, like, going to put it out there. But then no one's going to bother seeing it because it's a cartoon. Uh, but then people who did go see this, they're like, "Oh no, it's actually really, really good." And I was like, "Fine." And then I was like, "Well, there's enough people I know that I respect who are into this thing, so I'm going to check mm-hmm. it out myself." And I did. I went into it uh, to see it in 2D in a, which meant going to see it in a matinee in the like mm-hmm. at 4:20, and it was a theater filled with children with their parents, Ooh, nice. and I was like, "Oh God, this is going to be brutal," but. All those kids were so sucked into this movie. They were practically speechless. So there was some, la- there was laughing. There was crying. And I was like, I was just watching this movie, and I found myself laughing at lines of dialogue that are actually funny. Uh, and it's like, I was watching this, and it was like playing out, and I was just like, I loved it. Like, I love this movie. This movie feels so fresh, and like, I'm totally into all these scenes of just like Miles Morales walking down the street. And like... Walking around New York, and it doesn't like it's not there's no real actors, there's no like I don't know, it's just a cartoon. And I'm like, yeah, like a superhero movie should actually be a cartoon. Um, and like, yeah, I was like totally uh bowled over by this because I was like into it all the way through, nothing about it like bothered me. I wasn't like annoyed and angry at like uh the screen like I am when I watch like Civil War or Doctor Strange, or it just Mm. actively makes me mad because there's like, the dialogue is so bad, the character works lazy. I mean, and this movie is like, from a plot standpoint, does not reinvent the superhero movie. Like, it's very much a superhero stock storyline for the most part, but like, it feels totally different and fresh. Um, Yeah, this movie, like, it truly lives up to the hype for me, RJ. This is like, like the second best movie, I guess I've seen this year, just following Mm. uh, sister's, sister's brothers.
3: But well, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I'd like to check it out too. I don't know if I'll see it in theater, but uh, yeah. I would like to check it out one day.
2: Yeah. I actually uh, I did watch uh, Spider-Man: to the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, I'd say about a week and a half ago. Okay. It's it's uh it's, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I didn't rate it as highly as uh, Jarrett with the four and a half here. <laughs> But uh, I did give it a four stars because it was it was pretty good and yeah I'm happy to see people going out of their way to watching it too because I mean I'm a fan of uh, Sam Raimi's Spider Man uh, I'm not sorry to admit I uh, <laughs> love those first two movies I'm not I'm not gonna mention the third um, but yeah I mean it was it was a pretty good time I went uh, with my brother and some friends. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know. Yeah, the the animated aspect of the movie is really, I think, what sells it the best in a way. Because if it had been live action watching, like, I don't think they could have pulled it off.
1: No. <laughs> That's yeah.
2: definitely so, how it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no. that definitely gives the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. it would have been like watching uh, Doctor Strange, maybe, except wackier, even, than Doctor Strange, if it had been live action.
1: Me, yeah. yeah, see, like, I don't know, because, like, even with like, I guess, like, I, I do feel that there's a lot of the, the writing, I think, is quite good, though, too, whereas, mm-hmm. like, and then, so, like, the animation, though, is just, like, it's so... Uh, alive and vibrant like it's just constantly moving the entire movie like it's just like oh it never lets up but it all it's all f- for a purpose like it's like yeah like spider-man should be a dynamic a dynamic exciting character and superheroes should be a dynamic thing there shouldn't be just lots of scenes of people just like standing around and talking and like arguing <laughs> and it's like this doesn't seem like it serves a lot of purpose but that's how the comic books are now too
0: <clears throat>
1: Ay, but well, yeah it's a it's a good time People should uh, definitely give it a watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, uh, you know what, I'm going to save these last few movies maybe for next week, since we've been talking for like two hours. Uh, Very quickly, uh, hey, what news do we have to bring to the table? Jared, I just have one thing to say to you and
3: Frank. Quote, Todd McFarlane's Spawn reboot to be joyless, dark, and ugly. End quote. That is what Todd McFarlane said Spawn is going to be, and uh, I All I think is, why would, would anyone want to see that?
1: <laughs> and that's all I'm
3: going to say. And I don't even really want to talk about it that much. But I just I saw that headline today, and that was his quote. And I thought that was pretty hilarious.
1: Well, clearly you don't know the Spawn reader base.
3: The Spawn? Uh, yeah, I bought a Spawn comic once. Yeah. I think I gave it to you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I got. Amazing. Um, yeah. Mm. yeah. What about that uh, continued self-destruction of Louis C.K.? Oh, <laughs> oh, did he do that, something new? That,
2: that was going to be my news if <sighs> I didn't like find anything better yeah. to talk I, about.
3: I don't know about this at all. You guys are going <laughs> to oh, have to fill man. me in.
1: So on Twitter, uh, this is how I found out about it. So people are pissed with old Louis C.K. because some footage of his stand-up leaked. so as we all know um, – he kind of, like, when his career kind of went out the window, uh when mm-hmm. the world found out, like, on a widespread level, that he was, like, jerking off in front of women, cornering them in mm-hmm. bedrooms and, like, hotel rooms and stuff like that. And uh, he admitted to it after being forced to admit to it, which apparently makes mm-hmm. him bra- a brave individual. And uh, that was, like, oh, okay, well, that that was, he got me-tooed. And then, like... Yeah earlier like like a few weeks or a couple months ago he he is, he went back on doing stand up just continuing on not big announcements and people are like really already he's back and but it's like to what level but then some of like video of his bits came out uh mm-hmm. where it's like he's talking about like non-binary people and like mm. that like victims of school shooters like talking about Parkland <laughs> shooting people how they're not special yeah. because they just because they survived a school shooting and stuff like that. And then he like ends it all with a big thing about like how you don't have the right not to be offended. This <laughs> is like mm. Oh, man. And it just seems like uh, even, like, his most ardent uh, defenders have kind of just, like, fallen by the wayside. Because c- it's like, this guy's, like, hopeless. Like, how can you uh, defend a guy who clearly just, like, wants to continue uh, burning bridges and create no, like, I- uh, positive will toward himself? Like, he's just, like, the lost cause. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because uh, I like that Louis show. Uh I liked uh classic Louis stand up and it's mm-hmm. like it's just unfortunate that this uh guy is turning out to be not so smart.
3: What are you going to do? Don't jerk off on other people.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, good advice. Pro tip. Good advice.
3: It's a that's a hard stance but uh I'm willing to take it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually speaking on how people that have screwed up in the past are continuously screwing up, actually some other news kind of related to this was Kevin Spacey. Oh uh, god, the
1: Frank video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never, he uh I, oh. <laughs> yeah.
2: he made that video. Everybody's uh mostly everybody's I think seen that little video, him talking in character from uh was it House of Cards? Yeah. Mm. I've never I've never seen House of Cards, Me but neither. I recognize the character. Yeah. Um, uh, I got a
3: hot take for both of you. Andrew and I watched uh, ha- uh, the first season, except for almost the first season, and we never watched <laughs> any more.
2: Yeah. That's okay. But yeah, people Kevin sure Spacey. seem to like it. Anyways, <laughs> keep
3: going. See, I'm derailing you now, Frank. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, I feel welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Kevin Spacey, uh, he, I think something about court and somebody (laughs) felony charge uh (laughs) touching people yeah yeah that's the big story and then uh, i think a bigger story to me was him wearing uh either a shirt or a hat that read retired in 2017 Mm. so uh i think he thinks that it's funny yeah i'm sure he thinks that it's funny (laughs) yeah uh I, for, I don't know. For me, when it comes to this stuff, like I've heard a lot of people say things like, oh, you know, some some people are just saying it for the publicity and making up stories. Some of these people, uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know if, you know, some of them real, some of them fake doesn't matter to me. I feel like if I were in a position where I got accused of something, I'd rather step away from the like, you know, from the spotlight. If that means that it's going to stop, because like, you know, how every lie is somewhat based on a the truth, they say. Mm-hmm. So if, if the truth of Hollywood is that they've always had the casting couch stuff, then if this is what it's going to take, if we're going to lose a few people that, you know, didn't deserve it, maybe everybody's done something bad. So everybody in a way deserves something bad. Um,
3: <laughs> Frank's really <laughs> glossing over the casting couch that uh, was required for the Criterion Creeps podcast.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We have our own uh, checks and balances that need to be met. Ugh. Hey, you,
2: you do have a, a mattress in your office, uh, Jarrett pointed out. It's oh, was he true. pointing that out? Yeah, while you were while okay. going to
1: get a drink earlier. It's okay. true. Is that uh, normally you, in you, here? You degenerate? I don't know. It might have been. Well, as I said, Hot Cam was staying here. Hot and, Cam uh, was sleeping in your house in the mattress. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Well, so our spare mattress is usually in the next room, but that's where we also keep the litter boxes. And <laughs> I didn't want to have to put that on him. So I dragged the mattress over into this room where I, I do the podcast instead of moving the litter boxes. Because you don't want to do that either because the cats will get all worked up if you move one thing. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Mm-mm. I do whatever I want in my piss-colored room with my mattress. Okay, Jared <laughs> and Frank?
2: All right.
1: There you go. I'm Kevin
2: yeah. We're sorry we uh, made you have to explain <laughs> and now you finished your drink. Yeah.
3: Well, that's fine. I'm glad that you brought it up because if you hadn't, you would have just been like, why did that guy have a mattress in his room? It's a weird thing to do. Hey, uh, the
2: wall. I have a mattress, uh, in my room where I sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, Yeah. but yeah, I guess, I don't know What well, about Kevin Spacey and, uh, these people Weinstein and, uh, These guys, if if they were innocent, well, either way, step out of the light so that at least you know some good can come of it. Maybe this will stop. Of course, it's it's never going to stop until the world ends in ten years from now. But uh, stop
3: raping each other. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You you hear that, Jared? Stop it. I I heard it. (laughs) I heard it. Hey, Uh. hey, it it can't stop before Jarrett makes rape ghosts. The movie. Oh my God.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> Ghost. Yeah, see, you're mm-hmm. on record, and see, this is another moment where I'd like to distance myself from the opinion of Jared Duncan, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, this is a character I do for a podcast. So a per-
1: it's a persona, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Alex
3: Jones. Yeah, these are all personas, but it's on record now, so uh, right. we're we're clear,
1: right? Yep, we're all personas, mm-hmm. free and clear. You got any news, Jared? Yeah. Well, I just run through. Uh, today's been a day of death. Mean Gene yeah. Okerlund, Captain of Captain and Tennille, Super mm. Dave, old Marty that, Funkhauser himself, Bob Einstein.
3: That one hurts me the most. I was a huge Super Dave kid. That was always, that was the only show that was on at like 3 a.m. when I was like uh, 12,
2: 13 years old, and I watched Super Dave
3: all the time. Uh, Frank, are you familiar
2: with Super Dave? Mm, that's what I call my brother. His name is David. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> there you go. I also was, call him Mater, but that's because we're in Georgia. Oh, yeah. Outside of oh, Georgia, Beatles. I don't I don't call him Mater. Yeah, eh,
1: that's okay. Hey, Jared, <laughs> did anyone else die? Uh, well, that as of right now, I think that's it, In, in today okay. at least. But I'm sure not, I'm sure lots of anonymous non-celebrity people have died too. Kirk
2: mm-hmm. Douglas, uh, not coming up there yet
1: <sighs> damn it that would have made this die again. that that would have made this episode very special if he had expired for uh, this moment but alas i think if yeah. i saw something i
2: don't know if it was a tweet i don't know if it was an article somebody complained that he was alive and i'm like okay <laughs> okay <Was> this is rj <laughs> it was probably rj rj uh you can you can put your name on these articles and on these uh you know this is your yeah. thing, man. I go by many aliases. Yeah. Some, I do the
3: Alan Smithy from time to time when I need to talk about people that I feel like should be dead.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, okay. I told my friend that uh, I have aliases. Uh, apple Bottom, I think. Apple Bottom jeans. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, Jared's
1: a boots with the fur kind of guy himself. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what did either of you guys see the um, the Criterion New Year's drawing? Uh, teaser image. I can never figure those out,
3: so I've just stopped looking at that's them. That's
1: what that's what Reddit is for. Um, yeah. So like the big one on there is like actually it's two interesting ones. So one actually there's a few. Uh, there's one where it's a clock swinging on mm. a tree, which suggests that Swing Time Criterion Laserdisc film oh, will be uh, will it intro- be uh, brought back into the Criterion proper fold. Uh, another mm. one that's very uh, uh, up to debate. There's a, a sled that's leaning against this tree and uh, a, 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 well it's a tree it's a it's a it's a sled but it's looks like it's made of bamboo which has uh made some people conclude that it is bamboo sled which is bamboozled which is Spike Lee's film bamboozled um but uh. it could also arguably be uh not just bamboo but sugarcane and oh uh, which would be sugarcane sled cane sled can, citizen Kane coming back uh, but it's all. See, this uh, is why I don't look at
3: those <laughs> cartoons anymore. But I mean,
1: but, but you know what, RJ? I looked it up on Google Image Search, and these uh, these these mysterious plant stalks were depicted as being hollow, which means that it would be bamboo. So it's looking like more. Hmm. It's like bamboozled the Spike Lee film, which would be the only the second Spike Lee movie to be in the collection, until Jungle Fever gets added. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, oh, and the uh, the other one there too is there's a uh, a drawing of uh, two men. With children, with with babies around their necks, like and, three men and a baby. Or, but it's two men, RJ, and maybe those are children of men. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, but mm. uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. there's there's some like <laughs> leaps there. Uh, but the guy's drawn in a very particular way too. That's like um, it could be like bringing up baby. Uh, mm. but but the other guy, kind of, if you squint, kind of is a Clive Owen looking. So. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see we'll see what what happens um, and I but think
2: then wouldn't one of the other guys have to look also like uh,
1: what's his name Chiu Chiuwell Ch-
3: Ch-
2: Yes Yes That's the exact
1: pronunciation I've been practicing mm-hmm. but, but but then there'd be three men and then it would be three men and a baby
2: No oh, but shit. is it what does the other guy look like Who does he look uh, like
1: he, Well he looks like uh, Michael Caine bring bringing up baby uh, uh, Gregory Peck or yeah Gregory Peck or Kerry Grant, your boy, your boy. Is uh, he
2: in Children of Men? No, but no, movie. but, but <laughs> sorry.
1: But it's like, uh, but it's bringing up baby, uh, with, oh, with, the, with the tiger. Oh, but it, okay. it could be, but it's hard to tell. It, it's a possibility.
2: I I prefer Children of Men, I think. To it up baby? Yes. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, the, uh, are you sure? they have, uh, <laughs> they have a email, uh, suggestions kind of thing where you, uh, send your suggestions for what they uh, I've sent quite a few Uh, same list every time I have it in my notes (laughs) yes they're included but hey we're talking about them here so maybe they might come up again Uh, box set that box set maybe New York's
1: (laughs) listening
2: yeah because I mean what Andre Andre Rublev. You guys talked about it a year ago, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not three months ago it came out. Yep. And uh, quite a few. Was it uh, the, one of those Hitchcock movies, Notorious?
1: Yeah, I got I re- like, It was just I don't think it's come out yet, but yeah, it was just like lots of stuff. Like, well, I mean, it was a matter of time, but yeah, there's a few things that are like getting uh, re-released. But uh, yeah, we'll take credit for it. Mm-hmm. I take credit for everything that we do. That's right. Well,
0: mm-hmm. guys,
1: I think that's it. We have a movie to talk mm-hmm. about. Do we really? Yeah, we do. Um, So after the break, uh, we're all finding out that our partners are cheating on us with one another, which leaves us all in a very uncomfortable position. Like a circle jerk with some little people.
3: Mm.
0: What you wouldn't do for love? He's a fool, a fool for love. He was six and he was seven. He used to send him up to heaven when she said,
3: "You are my sunshine." The party always liked the best when she teased him with a
0: kiss and she said, "You make me." happy. What do you want?
1: And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And this is a very special episode, Uh, Patreon sponsored. We have Frank Solano, longtime listener, uh, joining us to talk about one of his favorite movies. At least I'm assuming so since he's uh, paying to be here. Hi, Frank. Hey. (laughs) Hi. Uh, And the movie we're talking about tonight, In the Mood for Love from the year 2000, directed by Wong Kar Wai. From Letterboxd, the tagline for this film, Feel the Heat. Keep the feeling burning. Let the sensation explode. Yes.
3: I feel like I saw that slogan on a uh, stuffed crust pizza that I ate a while
1: ago. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) So the synopsis here. Taking place in Hong Kong of 1962, a melancholy story about the love between a woman and a man who live in the same building and one day find out that their husband and wife had an affair with each other. So in the mood for love. Uh, this is a movie that uh, in the blossoming days of me being coming a, a real cinephile, this movie had just come out and was all the talk. It was on the, all those like best of lists that year. Um, One Car Wai, like he could do no wrong at this point. You uh, had Chung King Express and stuff like that. Uh, so he was like kind of like still like a new director, and so we're now watching this movie. 18 years talking about it 19 years after it's come out uh Mm -hmm. and so this also is like one of those rare occasions uh where we're talking about a criterion movie that came out relatively close to uh when the movie had been released in theaters and like whatever so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a rather than a movie that's looking like more of a retrospective you're looking at a movie that's like new still for many people um it's the second part of what wikipedia describes as an informal trilogy there's no name for this trilogy um the films i guess are all set in 1960s hong kong um and kind of follow mostly the same character for two of the movies and then they kind of touch upon events from the first movie but Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about um more about that I guess as we get going um so this is the second time I've watched this movie uh it has been uh like 15 years since I'd seen it last um the version of this that I have is actually the Canadian release uh which Seville put out because it was like super cheap in comparison to buying the Criterion but every time I look over at that Criterion cover which uh is uh a real nice showcase of like the Wong Kar Wai aesthetic between the great photography um your, your lead with uh, Maggie Chung, and, like, the mm-hmm. the amazing dresses uh, that she wears in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, the movie was, like, kind of foggy to me. Like, all I really remembered was that, like, once the movie started going, I'm like, oh, right, it's the movie where, like, they find out their, their mutual spouses are cheating on one another. But then I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. right, they live in the same apartment building. Oh, yeah, they're, like, they, they kind of are attempting to, like, have their own relationship and it's just not going to work because of their personality. So this was all like coming back to me as I was watching it, but like probably my favorite thing about this movie is the editing of it. Um, mm-hmm. It is done in this like really uh, tight elliptical style. Whereas like if I imagine this movie coming out now, each scene that would like transition into like these time jumps would take these really long, slow fades to black and then fade <laughs> back in. And it would add like 30 minutes to the movie just from all these fades. And I'm sure that maybe at one point he thought about that, but then when he put it into practice, it's like, that's insane. And they'll just, and I'm pretty sure audiences will just understand if it's like really quick because it makes total sense and it works so mm-hmm. well. Um, the movie is like, because of that it's paced so well and um, it, just allows the audience to like make these um uh connections that because they're intelligent human beings that can like watch a movie and be like oh i understand exactly what's going on and then there's these other like subtle things that the movie's doing too where it's like you never see their mutual husband and wife being uh in their affair like it's just like off camera they're literally off camera because it's not their story but it's them Mm -hmm. who are driving the events of their relationship uh, in this story, and uh, yeah, it's like this very small uh, kind of like tale of uh, unrequited love, I guess. Um, and, mm-hmm. sl- and slow motion, <laughs> um, and and uh, that one particular piece of music that kind of accompanies uh, it in this rhythmatic way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've always like uh, liked this movie. Um, I, it's been a long time, but like, Chunking Express is like, I think pretty tough to top i think that's like uh one car best movie but i would say that this is his second best movie um mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of other stuff to see, talk about this uh i don't know if anyone else of you either of you guys noticed but i one car wise got a thing for women's butts particularly like mm. them walking upstairs because there are so many shots of like Mega chung's like Pendulous ass walking up and down stairs in those dresses, and then it's like other women in the other movies. He's shooting them that way too, and it's like all through it. And I'm like, what? No one ta- Everyone talks about Tarantino's feet, but no one talks about this. But Juan Car Y, fascinating. I think there's something rhythmic and hypnotic to the
3: pendulum butt, is what you said. Uh, you know, the sway here, the sway there. It's all about rhythm, Jerry. Go- going but, up, uh, going up those stairs. Yeah, I have more to add on that, I think, after. But, uh, Frank, you you are the... Uh, what is this guy's name again?
1: <laughs> Wong Kar Wai, <laughs> sir. Wong Kar Wai. Uh, you
3: are the Wong Kar Wai uh, expert here. What do you have to say about his uh, fascination with the butt?
2: Well, I'm not complaining. Uh, Maggie Chung is uh, one of my childhood crushes. When I first Ooh. saw her in Super Cop 1993, Jackie <laughs> Chan. Nice. Uh, so there's a shout-out to Super Cop. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, that's one of his favorites, too. That is. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, when it comes to those shots, I think there's equal shots of Tony Lung, actually. Lo- and well, I guess... Wonka maybe, in love with his, well, he's in love <laughs> with him, too. Maybe being heterosexual men, as we are. We notice Maggie mm-hmm. Chung more. But, uh, I mean, I watched, beginning with as tears go by, down to 2046, I've seen all his movies going down uh, that list. Yeah. And what I've noticed is he, of course, he always has the recurring cast. You always see the <laughs> same people. Maggie Chung, Tony Leung, uh, Leslie Chung, a lot of Chungs. There's uh, Jackie Chung as well. Um, yeah, it's just, I guess, it, it depends on the story. Cause what I've seen in the other movies, whoever he's focusing on, uh, depending on their view of the other person, that's how they'll you know you'll see the person through the camera. And good, uh, right? I think, I think, the thing about in the mood for love is that like when it comes to maybe the sexual aspect of it. There, it's a lot more sensual than it is sexual.
1: I was going to say, you got and... throw out a sensual in there. I mean, we, you wouldn't, yeah. be, wouldn't be doing a review of a car why anything if you don't say the word sensual. <laughs> sensual. Yeah,
2: but I guess it's it's part of that the unre, unrequited, unrequited. How do you say that? Unrequited. However,
3: we don't say stuff right on this podcast. Yeah, so. that's, that's kind of the gift. <laughs> you don't have to either.
2: Okay, well, I'll say unrequited for now until sure. uh, I figure out something that sounds funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same idea, I guess. The, uh, I guess almost unconsummated love as well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Sure. If you could put it like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Wherein maybe the, the sequel, where you see uh, just a lot of sex. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so, it's, yeah, it's when he gets his groove back. But Stella? talking talking about how, you
2: know, there's the three movies. And what I didn't know before watching... Uh, 2046, actually, I found out that Maggie Chung's character in uh, Days of Being Wild and In the Mood for Love are the same person, which I didn't know before, supposedly. Hmm. <laughs> and then, hmm. according to Wikipedia, you know the uh-huh. know-all uh, website that is, Wikipedia, Yeah, they're supposed to be the same person, and then In the Mood for Love and 2046, Tony Lung's character is the same person. Yes, Yeah. So... Even though Days of Being Wild doesn't focus on Maggie Chung's character, it's supposed to, you know, develop. Mm. She's supposed to develop from there into uh, the Mrs. Uh, what's her name in this movie? Miss Chan. Yeah. In In the Mood for Love. Interesting. So I don't know, cause, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because because yeah, there,
1: there, there's the comment in 2046 about like that, like that's like the only reference to Days of Being Wild is like saying, oh, she, uh, she, she had like a a, a a Chinese Filipino who came from a rich family, but then he died. Mm-hmm. Like there's some comment like that's like the only real like kind of bridge to that movie. Um, whereas mm-hmm. like the, the the one between In the Mood for Love and 2046 is very explicit because it's like you're following. Um, uh, Tony Long, like in his like jump, because because yeah. there's the mention of like mm-hmm. in, in in the mood for love, him talking about like writing for like martial arts stories, which like I'd love to read what what those are, or if, like <laughs> is that a real thing? Because like, like I'm I, <laughs> yeah, like right <writing, laughs> in, in the newspapers.
2: <laughs> I wrote down uh, just when he's like when they're stuck in the room together that scene, and she's like, oh, "What are you writing?" He's like, "Oh, the drunken master just came in." And because Maggie Chung and mm-hmm. Super Cop and Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan has Drunken Master, I'm imagining Jackie Chan, Drunken Master. <laughs> I don't know. I
1: just wanted for, to say that. For
3: cereals? I mean, why not? <laughs> look, look at our cereals. It's just like,
1: I don't know. It's like sci fi stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's, so, I, I never have heard of it. Like, I've never, uh, I don't know if that stuff's ever been translated that I know of that's like come come mm-hmm. here or if it's become popularized. Like, because there's like a lot of cereals get like popular in other countries all the time. Um, and then they, or other countries have like their own like thing that's super big, but you've never heard of it in other places. So like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, their daytime TV, like they still have like the Wong Shu, like uh, Waxian, like fantasy stuff that they, that plays all the time. That's what their soap mm-hmm. operas are, period pieces uh, that are like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sort of stuff, um, mm-hmm. like to this day. But uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, he's a writer of this. And that's like a big, that's like a goal. But I'm sure it's like being a pulp writer like in the sixties, like it's the same idea is that you're kind of like a hack who's like not making real literature, but you're mm-hmm. just kind of, it's a, it's a way to make a living. But, uh, yeah. a- anyway, uh, enough about butts <laughs> and such, uh, what did, what did you y'all think about in the mood for love? Uh, I don't know, RJ, you've never seen this movie before or, are even familiar with this, the name of this director.
0: Yeah, no, I,
1: I didn't. Okay. I've heard of King
3: Express, all right? I've heard of that one. But uh, do you want me to hit you with it a little bit and then let uh, Frank come in here? Yeah, or yeah, what? yeah, Do it. All right. So, yeah, I have uh, – I didn't know about Wong Kar-Way, not nearly at all, until uh, Frank had been uh, emailing in on the podcast for the last couple months and uh, brought it up and said that he thinks that I would be a fan. Uh, so I did watch this alleged trilogy, <laughs> just like you guys did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As loosely defined as it may be. Uh, And there were a few things I noticed. A few things that I liked. A few things that I was like, hmm. But uh, this In the Mood for Love, I can say uh, that Frank was right. I am a fan of it. Uh, I do like it quite a bit. I am, uh, as you guessed, a romantic at heart. Uh, I found this movie really sad. Uh, But it's also also kind of kind. And... um, inspirational that's not the right word but like it's it's like it kind of gives you this ideal to look up to where I think a lot of this movie is these two people trying to get something that they want with who they are with who they have already but they can't so they're trying to get it with the other person but they also don't want to do that either because they want to be better than the people that have hurt them and it's kind of like a it's it's a tragic thing I think, but it's it's also something to admire, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I so yeah I have never seen any Wong Kar Wai movies, uh, but I watched these three. Um, I think out of the three, In the Mood for Love is the one I liked the most. Yeah. Uh, I really like what Jarrett said. The editing is awesome. Where I, I also liked kind of how fast paced it was. Um, because it it's kinda like it's no bullshit. He's he's like, You'll figure it out. You know what's happening. Jump. Next, next. You don't have to like layer in all that stuff. And and all the
1: scenes go into one another so well too. Yeah.
3: They all they all go into each other. And I think the reason why it's so effective is because he has a lot of sing scenes that uh he lets breathe, as Jarrett would say. Uh like some of my favorite scenes were Where it would just be a body shot of uh, our lead actress, uh, like in the doorway. And it'd be her kind of like moving and walking around. And uh, he just gives it time to kind of let it happen. You don't really see her. You just see her kind of moving around the frame. And uh, the thing that I I think that I liked most about this movie is uh, the way he has the camera and the way that he kind of captures body language. So a lot of the the subtle gestures and expressions that they have in their mannerisms, I think he shows that really well where he kind of has a lot of, like, obtrue- obtrusive angles. And what I mean by that is, like, there's a lot of things that are either blocking the shot or he hits it right at a certain sp- way where the corner of a wall will block half of what you should be seeing. Uh, And I think it's really effective. So it'll be like a corner of a wall, and then you'll see the back of uh, the guy or the lady, and they're just kind of like there. But it works really well because of those really subtle details that they have. Where, uh, like, one example from this movie is where our leading lady goes to return it's either when she's dropping off mail or returning the books and she's waiting in the doorway and she has her kind of hand on the the edge of the door and her fingers are kind of moving up and down and she's peeling it and she's looking around. Uh, I really like that because I don't know what it is. It, it gives, it gives more character to them, I guess you see them in these, these kind of quiet little, little things that they have that everyone does. And uh, I thought that was really nice. And I think one of the reasons, again, why it was so effective is because he doesn't waste time on other stuff. And he can let scenes like that just have as much
1: time as they need. So uh, I think to, – yeah. To speak to that too, like the, the body language comment is like the one thing mm-hmm. I really, really appreciated and liked a lot uh, in the first like half of the – or first quarter of the movie is like when uh, Lung and Chung are like first like kind of interacting with one another – They're, like, Mm -hmm. very pleasant and indifferent to one another. So there's no, like, weird, like, if this was an American movie, they'd be, like, checking each other out and passing. There'd be, like, (laughs) some weird, like, oh, maybe they're kind of into one another. But no, they're so completely, like, indifferent to one another. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, uh, I always think about this now, especially after watching Phantom Thread and just, like, watching, like, how in control Mm -hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis is as far as, like, his eyes. Like, you Mm -hmm. don't notice this stuff. And then, like you see, like an actor working, and you're like, "Oh no, he's in absolute control of everything, including his eyes." So his eyes aren't in the weird, wrong place. Like when you see like amateur actors, they're lost, right? Like they're kind of like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, what am I supposed to be looking at? I'm gonna look at the camera. I'm gonna be look look, like looking for like, what's my line? Where's my confidence?" And these two, they're just like, "Oh hi, yeah, see you later," and they just walk past one another. Like they were literally doing it, and the camera captured them in their life. Like if they were Mm -hmm. like, "Oh yeah," Mm -hmm. they're just like uh, exchanging pleasantries. Hi, yeah, I'm going to my apartment now see you later and like they're mm-hmm. like that's it there's no like will they won't they until later like it's like kind of saved because uh, yeah yep. most people are like not like oh yeah i'm gonna drink you in i can't wait to see you again like it's just like no nope, yeah. that's not this world that is not these characters
3: mm-hmm. well <laughs> the other thing that i really like is i think he builds it up really well like with the camera uh and the way he frames stuff is like showing the distance between the people's like the two the two leads, their actual significant others. He shows the distance really well, where you either just see the back of them or you like hear their voice, but you never actually see them. It kind of, it's a really nice way to like distance that out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really like um, kind of like what you were saying, like the rhythm and the cyclical music almost, like the way that they continue to use that song. And then I even like when the story kind of like it hits the turn, where they go from like acquaintance to friends and then you get introduced to a new song and then that song is present a lot. And that comes back. Uh, I really like it because I don't know, this movie, like it for me, and this is going to sound kind of corny, but it like, it kind of plays out like a dance. Like it's this subtle sway back and forth and it's very rhythmic and everything that is happening visually and uh, even like, the characters and the plot it's kind of going back and forth and it's very smooth uh between this and that and there's a kind of like quiet intensity to everything and uh, i really dig that so it is uh, as frank would say sensual <laughs> <laughs> but uh no yeah i uh, i like this in the mood for love uh i think it's i think it was a really good show um i know frank has been uh itching to get at it for a long time mm. so uh I'm interested to hear any hot takes you or not even hot, but just hear, hear why you like it. I guess.
2: Well, all the reasons you guys said mm. that's a—they're all very valid. They're all exactly uh, part of what makes my love for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, I guess it's—it's it's all the little things. It's from what I've heard about Wang Kar Wai, and you can see it in all his movies. It's that he loves. Photographing beautiful people,
1: mm.
2: Tony Lung, Maggie Chung anybody who's in a Wong Kar Wai movie—they're all beautiful-looking people. Yeah,
1: r- ridiculously attractive. Like yeah, they're movie they, the they, stars. <laughs> the world. Yeah, they
2: photograph so well, mm-hmm. and uh, like it, it's just the idea that no matter what like setting, no matter what uh, like place they're put, what situation they're in, they uh, they they look the role and then they have the acting chops to like meet you know the requirements to to really set it in and so there's things like in the beginning uh say when maggie chung's on the phone at the you know at the office and she's wearing that green dress and the green curtains in the background she and she blends in maggie Mm -hmm. chung isn't someone that you you know you walk by on the street and you're like you don't notice them but somehow in this movie you don't notice them Until they want you to notice them, you know, and it's just kind of the idea. Like she blended in in the beginning. Both of them blend into their surroundings almost, Mm -hmm. and they're just uh, they're very like it's like they're like what you guys were saying. Uh, That kind of respect, Mm -hmm. that kind of I, I almost I feel like it's wholesomeness almost in a way. Yeah, those values that they carry with them, and it's it's funny talking about it like that because they're actors. This isn't. Mm The reality of the actors, maybe, but they make it feel like these aren't just actors; these are living people. Yeah, like you said, you you capture them in that moment.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like like it's it's like it's like not a documentary because it's like oh they're but (laughs) it's not shot that way. But it's like oh these Mm -hmm. are just like real people going about their day, and we're just getting a glimpse at that.
2: Yeah, and there's there's those little things, those little things like uh, Tony, Tony, like just his eyebrows. I, I literally wrote that <laughs> down as a note because when he's thinking and he realizes something, he will like furrow his eyebrows for just a second. Just like for one second, he'll dip his eyebrows. If that's how you call that, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. Um, but like it just it gives it that much more uh, reality even. Like mm-hmm. if, if you had just if this wasn't a movie and you just saw a pic, like if a movie you hadn't seen and you just saw a picture, you might have not even thought that it was uh, like if you didn't know these people were stars, if you didn't know Wang Car Wai, like if you had just seen a picture, you would have thought it was just, you know, that's a really nice picture. Mm-hmm. Like that's 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 probably real people from that time, that era, even. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not it's all fabricated, but fabricated in a way that you believe it. it's really I love this
1: movie yeah yeah yeah, and that yeah you have that Christopher Doyle cinematography who uh, Mm -hmm. he gets a lot of that uh, that love because it's like yeah like this is a movie it's just like yeah it is so well photographed Uh, most movies like aren't (laughs) like shot like this like (laughs) just like Mm -hmm. these movies don't really come along very often where they're like oh yeah like every single shot is just like gorgeous Um, and I kind of mentioned uh, earlier it's like the the dresses that uh, Maggie Chung Mm -hmm. wears in this. So I was, like, wondering if I'm, like, what is, like, these things are amazing. Like, these are so, like, well, like, I don't usually pay that much attention to, like, clothing in movies. But in this, it's, like, uh, those, like, uh, I think it's pronounced Pao Dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. They are uh, like they remind me so much because like every scene and it kind of like accentuates uh, the time jumps. It's like every scene she has mm-hmm. a new dress, and it reminds yeah. me of uh, Robert De Niro in Casino, where in that movie every scene he has a new suit, and so he's got mm-hmm. like thirty different crazy, ridiculous, garish, ugly suits, and it's like <laughs> it's, like which I love, and it's always been like one of my favorite things about that movie. And in mm-hmm. this, and you have like these dresses, but they're actually like fantastic. And uh, I was okay. on the, the, the little DVD I have. Uh, There's, like, some mention about the dresses. And, like, I guess, like, in 1960, one of these dresses would have cost, like, 60 Hong Kong dollars. And now, like, to make those same dresses, it's, like, 2500 Because it's, like, hmm. and they were, they were using all these, like, unusual fabrics um, and, then like, mm-hmm. designing these things. And I guess they, they kind of did a slight alteration to how they would normally be worn with, like, the higher collar. Because cause it would, like, mm-hmm. it, but, I mean, the whole dress, like, it's this, like, thing to like hyper accentuate like the feminine body and it's like yeah so i mean again it's the and then you have uh on the flip side you have um tony Long in his uh his suits and like that that manner <laughs> of like the 60s man suits and stuff like that but i don't mm-hmm. know that's like one of my earth,
2: earth tones earth tone suits
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no that's like yeah there's just so many visual things that i uh like about this movie mm-hmm. but uh and then so yeah i don't know if uh want to talk a little bit about the uh the bookends of this trilogy uh days of being wild in 2046 uh i will say that i wasn't really all that much into days of being wild um there's something about this movie like i think i was into it for and i actually found this with both these movies i was into them for about an hour and then like i just kind of get i check out there's something about the about these movies that like lose me which doesn't happen Mm -hmm. within the mood for love Um, like Days of Being Wild it's only been like a week since I watched it and it's already fading rapidly from my Mm -hmm. memory there's certain there's certain things I remember particularly like all the exchanges uh, between the um, uh, the girl and the like uh, security guard in front of the building Mm -hmm. like the cop like Mm -hmm. all that 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 whole sequence I thought was like really really well done in this like really great like short story vignette that I'm like that's all this movie really needed to be but then it's all framed with all this other kind of stuff that I was just like I'm not really feeling this this like I don't know it's it's still got all these uh aspects that I think uh he's working through because this is his second feature film his second movie Mm -hmm. ever um and it feels like it's like still like him working through stuff and like he would mature uh and go on to do better things. But, uh, I don't know. What did you guys think of, uh, that days of being wild? You want to hit it, Frank?
2: Uh, sure. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll chime in. I think, uh, really what? Okay. So I, I gave it a four and a half stars on that, uh, letter box. Then
0: mm-hmm.
2: I guess in a way, cause I'm biased. I love, uh, Wong Kar Wai and I like, uh, all his stuff, but, uh, so far at least mm-hmm. I haven't seen, uh, his newer stuff yet, but, um, I don't know. There's just I guess when it comes to the story, and I saw that in a few of like the reviews and stuff about it. The the idea that these characters, the main character that they're following, uh what's his name? York? I think some versions have Yudi. I'm not sure. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh Leslie Chung. Leslie, he uh his character isn't someone that is and, and actually the same thing with the twenty forty six. It seems like the character isn't somebody that you like very much cuz what they're going through what like their history has like caused them to become this person where they don't value other people and their mm-hmm. emotions and so i guess that's something that easily like distances people like from the emotional side of the movie mm-hmm. where i guess for me what filled in for that emotional aspect would be the cinematography just the like the green and the the darker shades in the movie. I feel like that's really what uh, elevated it just that little bit more for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, Maggie Chung and the Andy, Andy Lau, uh, the, yeah. playing the police officer, those scenes. And I think even, uh, what's her name? The girl, is it Karina Lau? I'm not sure what her name is. Let me see. Um, Karina Lau, yeah. I think her interactions, whenever she sees uh, Maggie Chung, I think Mm -hmm. like her, her acting. (laughs) She just seems so angry, so jealous, so you know, like she's spiteful. Even just the Mm -hmm. fact that uh, Maggie Chung has a history with Leslie, Leslie Chung's character, and it's Mm -hmm. just I feel like that worked for me as well. Even like as Jarrett said, it it seems like I, I watched this a week ago. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has actually faded as well. I was watching scenes right before we even started recording just to mm-hmm. see what was, uh, what would stick. Because yeah. it didn't seem to stick. It's it's funny mm-hmm. thinking about it. It's like the movie didn't stick as much as In the Mood for Love or even uh, Chunking Express or some of his other movies uh, will stick with you. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know
3: what stuck with me? Was uh, how uh, that Nicholas Winding Refn just stole the entire idea of Drive from uh, Days of Being Wild, <laughs> where he goes and beats the shit out of that guy with that
1: hammer.
2: Oh. <laughs> I, I, I
1: watched that, and I was like, is this Drive? What's going on here? Now that you mentioned that, yeah, that's, like, the one thing I was laughing about, because it's, like, often in, like, Chinese movies, there's, like, a bludgeoning scene. Like, a man being mm-hmm. attacked with a hammer or something mm. just being beaten down, because, like, because they don't have guns there cuz it's like if you do have guns you just get like executed so it's like there's this yeah. long thing of like yeah you just get beaten with hammers just like in a uh, kung fu hustle or uh it's like yeah you just like you you just get beaten which is like way funnier f- for the audience yeah,
2: that's probably why uh, Jackie Chan sticks to throwing chairs at people and ladders and stuff yeah
1: yeah only the really <laughs> bad funny. only the only the really bad people have guns but it's like not fun you know
3: <laughs> but uh yeah so that's one scene that stuck out with me uh i i like days of being wild i thought it was good um again like i liked in in the mood for love the most but i did like days of being wild for a few things uh like what you said frank i think the color tones uh are great in this where there's a lot of oranges and like greens and yellows and uh it all fits so well together i really like that uh there's a lot of real intimate close-ups makes you feel real tight and personal with these people. Cause I think that's a, uh, that's what you want in your romance movies. Uh, I think the, there's some really cute, playful romance in this, like a lot of, um, a lot of little things like, uh, like where people will touch each other just very softly, like a, a little light, like poke on a leg or something like that. Uh, I, I thought there was a lot of nice little scenes like that in here. Um, and then I also thought there was a lot of different levels of like love. Where you see a lot of different characters, you get like the the absent dick guy who like doesn't really care and he just uses it as a thing. Then you have like the obsessed woman, you have the side love, and then you have like the old love and even like the familial love where it's like the mother and son. Um, mm-hmm. like and it's just like a different kind of thing. So I thought this one had like a lot of different levels where you had a guy who wasn't interested then the girls who were the obsessed one and the one who's a little bit more timid. And then you have the guy who's in love with her and he's timid also maybe, or are they, are, or are they just friends? Is it a friend love? And then you have like a parent and child kind of thing as well. So I, I like that. Cause there's a lot of different, I think you could take a bunch of different things out of that, but yeah, Days of Being Wild I thought was pretty good. Like, I don't remember it a lot either, but I remember I remember liking it.
2: It's funny. It's, there's a lot of love, but maybe they just weren't in the mood for it, you know? Yeah, they, they weren't They weren't there yeah.
1: yet. They weren't ready. They would take another mm-hmm. 10 years. 10 years and to get there. Actually, actually, another
2: thing that I noticed was I feel like Days of Being Wild, okay, I've heard that Barry Jenkins, uh, you know, director of Moonlight. Yeah. He he has been heavily inspired by Wong Kar-wai. In fact, I think he's one of the voices like in one of those videos that Criterion releases yes. talking about these movies. Three reasons. And like, <laughs> yeah, the scene where where Leslie Chung goes to see his real, you know, his uh biological mother and mm-hmm. he he gets mad that she doesn't what is it? She doesn't go to see him. She doesn't go to meet him. Uh and he's walking away and he doesn't turn around and just a shot of him walking in slow motion it just mm-hmm. there's just some shots in moonlight like that of uh you know uh of little when he's when he's a kid when he's walking home or you know just all these shots like from behind and just like i guess in moonlight it's the blue color but yeah in in days of being wild like it, i don't know you'd have to see it side by side you could see the parallels and like i feel like that is part of the reason why Moonlight was so good because it took the best aspects of uh, what one Car Wai does, and then they put their own spin on those aspects. I feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know a little shout out to Moonlight there, but, yeah
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, days of being wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you got Twenty Forty Six, mm-hmm. which was uh, mm-hmm. d- it didn't it didn't follow the pattern of uh, ten years later. Um, it was only four years that this was made, so like. Part of like me like prepping for this movie was uh, I decided to go on this kick of watching like 2001, 2010, 2020 Texas Gladiators, thinking like, yeah, this is gonna be like this like weird science fiction movie. <laughs> but it's like, no, it's actually just like a continuation really of what's gone on before with this like interlude of like a science fiction story kind of like thrown in very awkwardly, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. but like, so yeah, there's like, so this. Uh, continues on the, uh, the the Tony story of uh, the protagonist there and what he does after In the Mood for Love which is like he gets uh, he gets horned up and he finally knows his way to like uh, get women to sleep with him and become, becomes a slut with a mustache and mm-hmm. uh, he's just working his way through uh, Hong Kong uh, sleeping with all the ladies um, I guess it's the 60s it's the swinging 60s so uh, opportunity rings um, and it's like him uh, coming back to a, a hotel uh, or a moat or an apartment Come on. building and uh, <laughs> and uh, continuing on having these torrid affairs with beautiful women because they find his mustache so uh, irresistible. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, And attractive. it's horrible. That, totally it's hor- lung- that mustache is terrible. You know, Hey, hey,
2: hey,
3: hey, <laughs> hey. I thought that was a good mustache. I don't it, know what you're and, talking and about.
2: And then especially when he had half of it shaved off for like... Two frames or something. Yeah. I don't know if you
1: guys saw that. Oh, it was there because that was a gimmick because he, he lost a bet. Yeah, see, that mm-hmm. that, that that was very, uh, I'd call, problematic. It's um, <laughs> like, why would you why would you wreck such a beautiful face with that thing? I don't get it. <laughs> Painful. Mm-hmm. but uh yeah so yeah 24 it's uh he's now become a science fiction writer which uh really ma- put me into mind at one point of like uh kurt Vonnegut's uh Kilgore trout um uh, that like his like oh, fiction yeah. his fictional science fiction writer and so I was like mm-hmm. oh that's kind of interesting that it's like now like I wonder like if there's like sort of a uh autobiographical element at all to like one car why or if, or if this is still very like removed from himself like if he was always like or if it, cause he, There's nothing in his work that says, I want to make science fiction movies. And so he's making a story about a like, science fiction guy. But I'm like, does he actually have any mm-hmm. interest in that? I don't think so. And this is as close as it gets, which is kind of like a pretentious sort of like what a guy does when he doesn't like science fiction is he makes a movie like this where he's like, well, because I, I have disdain for it. Um, and then you have like – so you have these like scenes that are like, well, I'm, I'm a Japanese man in my uh, science fiction story. And you're like, Okay. Um, and like, I, I don't even want to begin to parse out relations between, uh, like China and Japan. Hey, uh, don't do that. I'm not going to touch it. It's, 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 it's a mess. It's, there's, there's this, a lot of, there's a lot of hostility there. I've read, I've read the rape of Nanking. Um,
3: this episode's already going to get flagged for war crimes from, uh, that review of tiptoes. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that's true. Very controversial. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, so 24 six, I had the same experience Kind of days of being wild where I was kind of into it for like an hour. And then I just kind of was like, Oh, I kind of stopped caring about what's going on. Like, I don't know if it's just like, uh, uh Tony has just become so like unlikable and like so removed from the character I liked in, in the mood for love. And I'm like, why has he become such a, like a scumbag? And then like, by the end of the movie, he comes back around he's like chilled out a little bit, but he's still a dick. Like a total yeah. asshole, and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about this. It's like, is there gonna be more of these movies? And like, it's gonna be a different another decade with him, and like him dealing with whatever bullshit he's dealing with now. Um, and like the CGI in this is oh, <laughs> is so bad. It's like I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. Sometimes the um, the Asian countries do not do CGI very well in their movies. And can and, you elaborate and, on that? Well, <laughs> uh, you, have you watched many like Japanese films, Chinese movies? They well, have like even
3: uh, even the the recent Shin Godzilla had some uh, yes. pretty egregious that's, uh, that, CGI. That, that's
1: what I'm saying. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it works in a charming way, but in this though, man, it's like it's 2004. But like I know, I, I watched 2001 a week ago, and that movie is <laughs> amazing and immaculate. And just like seeing this, it's just, like mm-hmm. whoo, um, and like it's like this. I don't know. I, I I kind of got the movie and then I got it and then I got it again. I mean, I didn't dislike this movie. I'm coming off pretty hard strong on this as like being <laughs> like a bad movie. It was okay, but like again, I kind of slot I feel like kind of like the same ambivalence between these two movies. Um but like again, there's scenes I love. Like there's like we're not I want maybe love, but like I enjoyed that I thought were like really well done. Um, but at the same time I was just kind of like I don't really want to ever see this thing again. And I remember I remember <laughs> when the, I remember when this movie came out and like always being like, oh, I don't know. I am just not ready to watch this thing. I'm just not ready. Um and it feels its length, it's I feel every 2 hours of it. Um it, and it's like kind of like his last two movies like they're like an hour and a half each, which is great. And mm-hmm. this one's 2 hours and it's like it didn't need to be that long. And I'm just waiting for it to end. But that was kind of my yeah. uh feeling on this. Sci- this not sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about um, you two? Yeah. Hit it, Frank.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, well, about the CGI, it reminded me most of what uh, early 2000s DVD main menu yep. would look like. Yep. Hmm, that's what it reminded yep. me of. Uh, I remember playing uh, things like uh, The Open Season and uh, Over the Hedge. <laughs> Uh, mm. mini games <laughs> uh, and that's what it reminded me of the most yeah. um, but with the movie I think like I said before with Days of Being Wild you just you have this character and he's so detached so different uh, from the Tony Lung we uh, have known and loved in uh, In The Mood for Love mm-hmm. that like it's, it's just it's jarring how different he is uh, because he doesn't have that respect for women and he doesn't have like like you guys said, the, the watchful eye. Like he, he doesn't like protect. How do you say that? I'm, I was gonna say protect his vision, but that doesn't. That sounds stupid. Uh, he
1: <laughs> stupid chat, Mister Chow. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. He he doesn't care anymore, and I mean, in a way, it kind of makes sense. But yeah. for him to have gone so far with it. Uh, with his character, and that's the thing uh, with Wong Kar-wai, he does know how to make uh, pretty bad people. Like, he he writes some pretty bad characters. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever watched uh, Happy Together, you know that. He, he made uh, Leslie Chung look like a bad guy twice. Days of Being Wild and Happy Together. And, like, uh, I don't know. It just, I guess the idea that i had while i was watching the movie is like there's a lot of people like this character yeah not enough people like uh the tony lung and in, in the mood for love a lot more people like this mr chow the and, and i guess <laughs> <laughs> hey and uh i guess yeah the, i don't know it's just i feel like his performance as well he he even looked older which for some reason Tony Lung has never looked older ever like even now Tony Lung doesn't look like he's aged maybe a week at most and uh he looked older and he looked tired and like it makes sense for the character but it just seemed to me like it was more Tony Lung being tired than Mr. Chow being tired i don't know how to explain that i guess it just
3: i'm picking up what you're putting down
2: mhm the, the energy wasn't there. Like, and I've, you know, I've seen Tony Lung in other roles, and uh, this is, I feel, actually pretty much his worst uh, performance, in my opinion. Mm, but shit. it's it's by no means bad. Right. It's just, it's not his best. <laughs> um, I don't know. And then I guess, yeah, when it comes to all the future stuff, I remember I've actually seen uh, a commercial that uh, Wong Karwai did. Uh, I'm not sure. Let me see if I can find what it's called. But um, it's the same idea. It it was something about some LED lights. They were new in 2007, some new LED lights. And uh, he was promoting them. And he made this little commercial. And and it's probably one of the worst commercials that I've seen when it comes (laughs) story-wise. Because it just... It tries to cram so much into, I think it was like three or four minutes. It's like some whole spy story and, you know, the same idea, unrequited love. And it just, it didn't fit at all. It's like a parody of his own work. (laughs) Almost, but it seemed like it was trying to be so serious. And that's like, like I wouldn't buy those LED lights ever, I think. (laughs) Um, Okay, it's called There's Only One Sun. And it's actually nine minutes. I remembered it oh, being my three. God. So
1: nine maybe... minute commercial.
3: Where did they air this <laughs> yeah. fucking
1: thing? Uh, Probably on, no like, idea. On, on YouTube, he's like, "Do you remember those like um oh god, what were those called uh with Clive Owen the like they had, like all the guests were, uh, oh
2: um I know what you're talking about
1: uh the, the hire the, or something like that yeah yeah,
2: yeah the hire mm. <laughs> the BMW yeah, they had a bunch uh, of like they had like
1: Tony Scott do a car commercial and John Wu mm-hmm. and like whoever it was. It's like, yeah, I remember like that I sort think... of thing, but they're all, and it was all meant for like online consumption. And it was like in the early days, like that was like even before YouTube. So it was like, you had to go download real player to watch this stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: And even one car Why has, uh, has one of those actually It's called the follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I guess it didn't translate over everything that he did between, uh, but it's really the nineties were one car wise years from 1990, starting with days of being wild to 2000 in the mood for love. It just seemed like everything he did there was almost, almost perfect.
1: And now he's, uh, and now he's dropped off. Like totally. Yeah. Like he made that grandmaster movie that like no one really cared about. And uh, like, I was just like, cause I was wondering, cause so I was like, uh, like we talked about, like, or I talked about at the beginning. It's like, he was like riding high at this point. And then like, after this movie, and I don't know if it's because of like the uh, quagmire that is like the like Hong Kong or whatever the Hong, whatever Hong Kong is now, but like the Chinese like film industry. It's just the worst because like you can't t- just do a movie. You have to like check so many boxes like Johnny Toe and John Woo and these guys. It's like when they make movies, it's like, oh, you're, you have to like, make the film present China in a particular way. And so it's like, well, we like period pictures. And uh that's what you get money for. And if you have, like, these small movies, um, like, they're, like, like I don't know, critical of anything slightly. It's like, no, you don't, you can't make that movie anymore, sir. You have, to, like, so I don't know if that's just, like, kind of, like, inadvertently forced uh, a lot of, like, people to retire and just, like, stop making movies because it's just not what they grew up with and what they grew accustomed to and then to kind of have their hands tied behind them. I don't know. Like I haven't done enough research to like confirm that, but it seems like a pretty common thing that's happened with uh, these directors who are just like, oh, you have to go, if you want to work from your your home country and it's China, it's like it's so tough to make a movie now. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, and I I guess the last thing I really want to say about uh, 2046 for now is that It was the same idea as Days of Being Wild, where the cinematography really is what kind of gave it a little more Mm -hmm. uh, when it came to the colors. I feel like photographing Fei Wang, who played the – she played the – I think it is a motel, isn't it? Because they they stand by a sign.
1: Oriental Hotel sign.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a hotel.
1: But it's like a long-term one where you can be there Mm -hmm. for like –
2: well, yeah. So the he's the, you know she's the uh, hotel owner's daughter, the one that uh, goes crazy, and she's also the bionic woman in the train. And I don't know. She she photographs real well. I feel like before I got to that scene, it, it seemed to me like the movie was actually going by fast. I know that Jared, you said it was going by real slow. You were counting the minutes. But for me, I watched the first thirty minutes, and even though I didn't really like what I was seeing, it felt like time went by so quickly. And then I I was like, it, it switched over to the future stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think I meant to, to say, like, I, I found the first half engaging. And then the second half is just like, I was, I guess, kind of zone right out. And that seemed to be when they started, like, doubling down on the sci-fi, like, the, the train yeah. stuff. Yeah,
2: Yeah. And I don't know. It just seemed to me like, I went to Wikipedia. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to take a look at this uh, plot
0: mm-hmm.
2: and see what it's all about. And I feel after I looked at the plot, after I knew like what was going to happen, I could have watched the movie and appreciated it a little more, which is weird because you wouldn't think something like, you know, you know what's going to happen and uh, then you could still appreciate I, it. I have done that
1: many times and it, <laughs> and it does work.
2: <laughs> but that's why I think it was the cinematography. After I went and read what happened, I, I knew like okay, it's going to go by slow now, because I know it's going to happen. I just got to wait for it to come by. But in the meantime, I can take a look, you know, the critical eye on this cinematography. And I feel like that's what... Uh, it's not a four and a half star movie. It might be like a four star movie, mm-hmm. if you're being generous, which I was, because, you know, Wong Kar Wai. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I feel... Anyways, the performances are good. Zhang Ziyi is like the... I think she she's like a what high end prostitute kind of thing like she it's never Jared. explicit <laughs> uh, she you know she she yeah I, I don't know how to explain it anyways like her performance like you she does what they what Tony Leung and Maggie Chung did in in the Mood for yes. Love where you feel like she is falling for this guy who this mm-hmm. prick who like yeah. she doesn't care about her but she definitely cares about him and like you can tell. And then I felt like stuff like Gong Li, uh, Gong Li's character was it the, was it the Black Widow? What did they
1: call her? Black uh, something Spider, like that.
2: yeah. Black Spider. Her character. That all that stuff, the stuff from Singapore, along with like some of the stuff from uh, from his novel from the 2046 novel. That all felt like it, it didn't fit as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So. I don't know. <laughs> But this is also the movie where, like, he didn't focus so much on time, which is weird because in The Mood for Love, you get the ticking clock at the office. In Days of Being Wild, that's how he, the character Leslie Chung, starts the conversation with the, you know, uh, stand by me for one minute, look at this clock, uh, this watch. And then in his other movies in between, all the movies I saw, even uh, his very first movie as Tears Go By, they all have, like the presence of the ticking clock of the moving time where this one didn't have it. And so it fell and it is longer than the other movies. I don't know. I don't know what happened.
1: RJ. What do you think about this 2046?
3: What can I say that hasn't been said? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I, I'm pretty much the same spot as you guys. Um, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. When this movie started, and there was all this uh, futuristic sci-fi shit. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I was a little confused for a minute. And then uh yeah, like when it dips back into it, I was like, hmm. This one seems a little different than the other two. <laughs> uh there's some sexy stuff in here. Mm-hmm. But no, uh I still like I thought it was good, but uh yeah, I don't uh I don't hold it in the same regard as the other two. So um, you guys said most of
2: what I, mm-hmm. yeah, Just, I guess another thing is the, the, when it comes to the black and white scenes. So in, I don't know if you guys remember this, whenever they're in, he's in the car, anytime he's in the car, it goes to a black and white scene mm. for at least that's, that's what I remember seeing anytime he was in the car. And I guess I don't think there's any black and white scenes, at least that I remember in, in the mood for love. No, but I don't think it's, so. In the movie Happy Together, it's almost exactly like the same, like, like where they're in a car and yeah. they'll go to black and white. And so it feels like twenty forty six is a mashup of everything he did in the nineties to two thousand, except like just yeah, it's, like he just couldn't much. figure out yeah what to do with himself and that's right. what he did. I feel he was also pressured, wasn't he? I heard something about it at the Cannes Film Festival, like they were playing the first reel supposedly while the last reel was coming in like from the airport or something crazy like that. Like the movie was playing and they still hadn't like completed uh like getting the movie to the to the festival. Mm. Something crazy. I don't know. Mm.
1: That sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all can agree that In the Mood for Love uh is is tops. Wonderful mm-hmm. movie, but you know yeah. what, guys? Quite good. There are some people oh. who disagree. Oh, because <laughs> uh, we we have to do the segment who hates uh, in the mood for love. We have uh, two half star reviews from the same guy, Tony Zhao. He wow. writes, "I literally laughed out loud at the over dramatic crying sound effect Wong Kar Wai used, or as he refers to him here, is WKW. It's like something out of a bad Chinese soap opera." When I when I read that, I was kinda like, What is he talking about? Like all I kinda <laughs> remember is when uh, in uh, Days of Being Wild, there's some like kind of like goofy like sound effects when there's like the beat down in the bathroom and it's very mm-hmm. like pew pew pow, pew pow like it's very like exaggerated, but I'm like, Where is where is where is that in in the mood for love? Like if it was there, it completely escaped me. Like I didn't catch it one bit. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, he's talking about crying scenes, right? Yeah. Maggie, Maggie Chung, what her character cries maybe three times that I remember. Actually, those are three of my favorite scenes. Uh, now that mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it, was it the? Uh, we haven't even talked about that when they like try to act out their spouses. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: mm. how, they, yeah how, how they how they spring the on news that. on one another? Yeah. When, on, yeah.
2: Just those scenes, any scene at the diner, any scene at the the, the restaurant, uh, just him even putting, like, the spicy, I think it's, I don't know what it is, the spicy sauce on her plate, just all that stuff. But with the crying, what, maybe when he says he's going to leave or whatever, the practice of him leaving. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite scenes. Actually, my little in-depth review on my letterbox uh, starts out with me trying to describe that best I can. Yeah. Cause yeah, like, but I don't, I don't know. Cause uh, it doesn't sound to me like some soap opera stuff.
1: Yeah, or, or just like the sound effect, I guess. I don't even know. Uh, and then Tony Zhao continues in a second review, uh, two days prior to the other run. All the unmotivated camera moves can't make the poorly acted dialogue scenes more interesting. Neither can the lazy staging and loud music. Um. I think this guy's a professional troll, you guys. Yeah, probably. His favorite movies are Geely,
3: Howard the Duck, Alien 3, and My Blueberry Nights, also by Wong Uh, Kar-wai. Half stars to The Game, half stars to Pulp Fiction, one star to Seven, two stars to Chinatown. Uh, He only has one five-star movie, and it's Rampage by Yui Boll. So, uh... I don't think this guy is uh, on the Humble. level. Yeah. No.
2: He's probably not a real person either.
1: Probably. <laughs> He's an algorithm? Uh, <laughs> most likely. Well, what's uh, what's his name? Tony Zhao. Uh, Z-H-O-U. Uh, okay. We got here uh, Rembrandt Q. Pumpernickel, who I'm, I think we've come across before. This person has been on here before. Yeah, half a star. He's like a book here. I had high hopes that a rewatch of In the Mood for Love would write me in my Wong Kar Wai disdain and that I could finally appreciate this well-loved director and further explore his catalog. But sadly, time has only cemented my position and that he makes the cinematic version of Teen Poetry treacly shallow contextless and sexless most of the appreciation for this film normally rests on its cinematography people praise the rich colors of christopher doyle's palette and how he renders the time period of the film but few ever talk about how facile his camera placement and lens usage are Want to show the emptiness of someone's life? Put them in a shot with only boring wallpaper. Want to show that two characters can't connect even though they're very close to each other? Use an extreme telephoto lens such that even a normal two-shot one is out of focus. Want to convey the confusing space between two people? Don't include a master shot. So we're not fully aware of each other's relationship in the room to each other. Every shot is like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like a script that's filled only with witticisms. And as far as the colors go, they're fine, I guess. But give me Speed Racer, Mary Antoinette, Whoa. or the Young mm. Girls of Rockford over this any day but I, may I continue here? But I think what bothers me the most is that the film feels indulgent about its time period, as if there's something good or beautiful about this innocent and unrealized love. And personally, I think that's shit. I know that Wong has done other films where sex is on display and actually happens, but at least in the two I've seen, this mm. and Chungking Express, sex feels like something that ruins real love. This movie is a real romanticism, and sex feels like a reality that's un, that it's unwilling to deal with. And for me, that's juvenile. Sure, sex always heightens the stakes, but love for me is all about accepting those heightened stakes and taking that kind of real risk. Uh, Most of what you need to know about this film is in Maggie Chung's line to her boss about paying attention to small details. If this film were truly subtle, it wouldn't need a line like this to tell you it's subtle. It would trust you as a viewer to be into Mm -hmm. the subtlety or not. Instead, it's the worst type, playing it subtle when it's actually as blunt as can be. Just like a teenager.
3: So Rembrandt Q Pumpernickel is all over the map. Uh, they like a lot of Spike Lee stuff. They like a lot of Asian movies like, um, you know, uh, but a lot of their half star movies. I, I don't understand half star to the Sandlot, half star <laughs> to Ready to Rumble, half star to Payback and What Women Want, two of the best movies ever made. I believe, half star to Booty Call, half star to American History X, uh, actually some good movies in here. Half star to Grand Budapest Hotel, half star to Hard Eight, like I don't know this. this
1: half star to King
3: Kong. What the What are you talking about?
1: Man, what a what a bozo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, uh, there you go. I'm refraining
2: from being <laughs> uh. Angry, I think. Yeah. I'm trying my best.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't get too angry about some of these types. You just kind of go shrug your shoulders and go, Kate. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, holy How do you shit. guys do this uh, every week? <laughs> we, I don't know. I don't know, RJ. I don't know, Frank. I don't
3: know how we do this no. every week.
1: We, but we do. We persevere. Holy cow. We've been recording forever, I feel. Uh, this is going to be probably the longest regular episode ever. So Yes, it will. Ho- hooray. Um, so with that, uh, after the break, um, I don't know, hammer violence and, uh, train rides with robots and sweetness and beautiful, again, beautifully shot or something. It's been a long day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Frank, can you say that was the best $50 you've ever spent in your life?
2: Probably. Uh, probably <laughs> also because uh, I don't often buy things that cost exactly $50, maybe. Well, uh, <laughs> that's good to know. That's excellent. Hey. Yeah, what a hot oh, endorsement.
3: Yeah. Put that on hey, the Patreon.
2: I probably. saved those 50 bucks forever and finally had a reason to use it. So, that's good. There
1: you go. Outstanding. Uh, (laughs) Hey, RJ, how are you going to spend your 25 bucks? Arby's? (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and let us know what episode you want to cover. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. And Frank, what's your name over there? Frank? Mm. Yeah it's not no the mono Wait. kid Mo- yeah, I you, have, you, you two. have two that's the thing that throws me off mm-hmm. <laughs> okay
2: I'm gonna go with uh, it's Frank Solano or Red Monkey Blue 12 there you go folks you'll remember that I'm sure <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a monkey kind of
1: person there you go there you go <laughs> and uh, well folks we got a Patreon we're on YouTube we're on SoundCloud Stitcher iTunes Google Play all that jazz and next week it's just back to RJ and me And Spine 148, Ballad of a Soldier, directed by Gregory Chakre. How's that sound, RJ? Sounds so fun. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Outstanding. Well, we're going to let Frank eat something on a microwave. Um, Mm. And thanks for joining us, sir. Yeah, thanks, Frank.
2: No problem. Uh I you know, I was going to buy food with the 50 bucks, but it's okay. That's okay. Uh, good conversation. That's good right. Conversation way better with use so. of your time it, and money. It feeds oh, the yeah. soul.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: No, yeah. Thanks uh, for having me. Man. Yeah, no like,
1: problem. You guys uh, I love the show.
2: And uh, we'll see if I'm back uh, sooner than later.
1: Well, we well, we love you, Frank. We appreciate totally. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, good night, folks. Hope you're still listening.
3: Good night, Frank.
1: Good night, Mike. Good night, RJ. Good night, Jarrett. Good night, world.
3: Yeah.